Seltzer. Seltzer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like six percent too. Something yeah. like that. That's the uh, that's that sign that we live in an elevated economy when somebody can bring back Zima. I know. That was the best. Did you see the meme? Did you see the meme? That was the best meme of 2019 so far. They have the Scooby Doo game and they have White Claw and they're like, let's see who you really are in the next game. Fucking Zima. That's and that's the danger. Yeah, that's uh, dude. You know your scooter <coughs> that you put the white claw can on is gonna go chad. Ch- 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right, we ready to do this? As far as do you it, know, baby. do it. All right, what are we doing for an <clears throat> intro? We're doing no komodo intro, Cleveland Moto podcast outro. Oh, we're doing the no komodo intro. Sure. Yeah. Oh shit, that I really do need. This. Yeah, you need yeah. that. Yeah, you need that. I'll have to start bringing a guitar now, dude. This is embarrassing. All right. I don't want a pickle, just want to ride on my motorcycle. Good enough. That was Woo! the yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to die. That was the last well, the outro. Yeah. So, whoa, and we got off. a bunch of people here today. Phil, you're so good at this. I'm gonna turn the reins over to you. That's right, guys. It's a combined Cleveland Moto NoCo podcast, <laughs> and to my immediate left is. MotoGP's. And to his left. Swiggy. And to his left. Vulcan Scooter Dan. And to his left. Uh, Steve Sleepy Cinch. And Dan Crocky. And your humble narrator, Phil Waters, welcome you to a AIM Expo edition of a Wonder Twin Power mashup of podcast power without Liza. <laughs> forces combined. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Shape of an ice weasel. Form of a porch monkey. I'm bringing it back. It's oh. a, the uh, so yeah, today we we went to the the AIM Expo, and we sure did, man. And yes, the last two days we went to the AIM. We've Expo. been AIM Expoing, yep. And so when I met these guys, I just kind of pulled in on my bike, and I'm walking through the demo ride area, and I'm wearing one of my favorite jackets. I got this jacket from Alex and the crew and all the guys at Vespa Motorsport in San Diego on one of my cross-country trips. And I love the jacket because it's like, it's such a fucking bell staff knockoff. It's such a blatant bell staff (laughs) knockoff. But the back is embroidered really nicely, I might add. Beautifully. A big Vespa logo. And it says, you know, San Diego Motorsport. Oh, but you can see it from 50 you yards can, yeah, away. Absolutely. I spotted it as soon as I and pulled it was was on hilarious. the CVO at that. It was perfect. And you're riding this big fuck-off Harley-Davidson with these guys, and I just hear this, who's wearing that fucking jacket? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering who I had to beat up for the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really fun. So that's one of those great moments, and you know you're in a motorcycle event. You know you're home when... So you're the first person that I met. You're the first human being that I that I recognize and know is Dan. And that was super cool to just have you guys be in the demo area. And then to see you guys over there by the Harleys, I was like, holy shit, this is real. This is officially launched. And then I signed up to ride the Goldwing, and I had a little bit of time to kill. So I wanted to go into registration, which is a mile and a half away of the human habit trail hamster tunnels that is the Hilton Hyatt Sheraton, etc. here in Columbus. And I had to get all these people, all these podcast listeners on the list that wanted to be like, you know, get some passes and stuff. And I knew that I was under the gun time-wise. I had to, you know, range walk in, do my work, and range walk out. 
and I saw Jackie Van Ham. So when I saw Jackie Van Ham, I was like, <gasps> and Jackie just being Jackie, the the unbound, unbounded bottle of energy and joy and motorcycling karma that she is, comes up, gives me a giant hug, and I was just like, I'm going to have a great weekend. This is going to be a fantastic weekend. For a listener who might not know who yeah. she is. She has many years has been the voice of the International Motorcycle Show. Okay. She is also uh, Jackie Van Ham Incorporated or Jackie Van Ham Productions. Uh, she is an excellent brand representative because she knows everything about these motorcycles. And what I think is the best thing about Jackie is she does... Um, dirt bike riding. She's done flat tracking. She rides motorcycles everywhere. She walks the walk. She talks the talk. If you want your brand to get really good representation in a package that is unassailable, like nobody's going to be like, oh yeah, you know, Phil's repping for victory now. Fucking Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fucking Phil. I can tell you some shit about him. Right. right? Nobody's got a fucked up Jackie Ham story. Like Jackie Ham has just always been rock hard, solid, good human being. And like, you know, shipped her bike to Germany to ride around and, and just got the whole experience. And she is five foot nothing and 100% energy, wiener dog and all. And she gives love. Like she loves this thing we have. And she will ride anything and she will take any adventure and take any challenge and then relate it back to us so that we can feel like we were there. So it's really cool. She's a really good person to have. We've had her on the podcast a bunch of times. And just, if you see Jackie Van Ham coming up, make sure you introduce yourself to her and get to know whoever she's walking with. Because I've never seen her walking with anyone that I wasn't just thrilled to meet. Well, the better question is, who doesn't Jackie know? That's a good thing too, right? And then there's all these little things like, you're like, you're not allowed to know her. You can't know her and I know her at the same time. My friend Dean Middleton, you know, who raced at Summit Point for all those years and worked for Yamaha, he's like, you're not allowed to know Jackie Van Ham. She's my friend. Right. And that's great. I mean, that's a cool thing. So it's a really... Truly a friend of motorcycles. Yeah. And motorcycles. Motorcycles. Yeah, it's absolutely. something we all love. So yeah. it was cool. So I think we should talk about how we, we, yeah, we, we started with test rides because we've cracked the code to eight. Yes. Which is, you do the test rides Thursday. Yes, absolutely. It's ghost town. Now, yeah. the test rides for me were half the greatest test rides we've ever done and half the worst. Yeah. And not because of the bikes themselves, but there were eight major manufacturers doing... And, then, and the Vander Vander Vanderhall. Right. Yeah. South Vanderhall. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so there, were, there were multiple three-wheeled monstrosities because Yamaha had at least three... Uh, Nikens. Nikens. Yeah. Which were the first thing we rode because we wanted to punish ourselves. Well, we it? had to because we have talked such mad shit about them for so long. <laughs> oh, this is your first time riding them? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so it turns out with everything we test rode yesterday, just it only furthered our beliefs we already had made up about. So apparently we could just continue to review motorcycles into the future, having never ridden them with complete impunity. Again, nothing works better than a wild ass assumption. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but yeah, the, so it was great because there were so many bikes to ride and there was no one there, but we had to ride them all through Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. 
So, I mean, most they, of the rides were okay. It was really only Honda. the Honda ride. Oh. The Honda tour of the bad side of Columbus. <laughs> I, was, I was afraid someone was going to rob me, throw me off my bike, and be like, all right, I got me a Honda. Like, let's go. I, I, it was I not was, a good As route. though Honda said, we're going to show you how our bikes do in an urban setting. <laughs> so we've heard you like potholes. Yeah. So we've heard you like construction. So we've heard that you like bad sure. traffic. We're going to put you in all of those things and show you how amazing a DCT is. Because it's the only place I've ever been like, Jesus Christ, this is, this is why DCTs exist. They're like, we want mm-hmm. you to respond mm-hmm. in a panicky way. Yes. Just as if you were about to be murdered because you might be. They were paying how did small that black children to run out in front of our bikes at any moment so they could prove that we could do a brake check and not stall it because of the DCT. Yeah. Should we maybe do a circle, see what everyone's favorite and least favorite test ride was? Yeah, that's a good idea. So, well, we, we didn't do any. So, oh. we suck. so you guys know this half circle. Half mm-hmm. circle. Well, okay, so we started, um, uh, believe it or not, even though we've talked so much mad shit about the Nikon, mm-hmm. it was not the bike that pissed me off or disappointed me the most. Okay. The thing I rode that was the least impressive, and this is out of just about every... Suzuki, Kawasaki, Harley, Royal Enfield, Husqvarna, Honda, mm-hmm. out of all the, all the everything, KTM, the bike that, and we rode so much, Yeah, and he is the same one, I think. Uh-huh. We had uh, the KTM the 1290 Adventure. Yeah, right. Yeah. We rode all kinds of things, and that was the one where I was like, well, I'd kind of like this test ride to end now, please. <gasps> really? That's the bike the that everybody energy. has a giant boner that, like, you if you even slightly badmouth it on a forum, right. 700 people show up at your front door and murder you. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> it might be great if you're actually adventuring with it. Okay. I, I can't speak to that. Because you didn't. You were not given the opportunity to adventure. But in the urban environment, I wrote it in. I'm like, okay. So I've got this ridiculous displacement V-twin. 170 horsepower, 165 something. Right. Yeah. All the powers, all the torques, all the gadgets, all the farkles, all the things. Okay. This is the motorcycle that is supposedly all things to all people. Sure. I will admit I, I went through all the modes and gadgets while mm-hmm. I was riding it because that's actually a bad thing. Like right. I, when I rode the Goldwing last year, I was so enthralled with the motorcycle right. that I didn't even mess with the gadgets. Right. Because the bike itself was so good. On this one, I was like, let's see if turning the traction control off does something. Oh, within the first five minutes, I was into sport mode. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I'm like, messing with see sport what's going mode. On. I'm like, messing with race mode. Because I'm, I'm not really into the bike. So I'm like, what right. does it do then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then everyone's all about these big color displays. And right. I was like, who, who like like 3M glued this tablet to this motorcycle. <laughs> it's true. I mean, yeah. It doesn't look like a display to me. Like, I, I, I say very few old man fuddy-duddy things, but God damn it, I miss dials. Right. Give me a computer screen that shows me fake dials even. I'm okay with that. And admittedly, the CBO had a touch screen. Yeah. But it wasn't as like... It, it was better. Right. It just felt natural to the bike as compared oh, to on the KTM where it, 
it felt like a computer screen and but, I don't know. but for why I didn't like this bike I've got this big tablet in front of yeah. me that keeps reminding me even though it shows the RPM gauge going all the way to like 10, 12 million yeah, yeah. and when the bike gets to four and a half thousand it like starts shaking and going red like hey ease up and I'm like isn't this the crazy bike with all the power yeah. and what kind of bike penalizes you for like revving the bike right. <laughs> and that could be, I mean, not to defend it as a whole, but there are a ton of motorcycles these days that will actually prevent you from having any fun while you're on the break-in period. And so they will artificially retard the red line. And so many motorcycles that, oh. that exist today, and it's coming into even some of your more analog beasts, like when you look at... Um, the Moto Guzzi Grizzo was one of the first ones to do it, where they actually said, out of the crate, this bike has a 7200 RPM rev limiter, okay? The light flashes red, the little light flashes red, and it cuts you at 7200 RPM. But then your dealer, when entering a code in, can then change that to 8200 RPM or 9200 RPM and move those numbers, move that flag a little further down the field as the bike the is breaking in. Services get to know each other. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And so it could be that what you've experienced was a bike that was in its, which all these bikes are. All these bikes are less than 2,000 miles on them. So they would all still be in their break-in period. It still wasn't it for me. It, yeah. it just still felt really vanilla. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. Sure, it, you know, it, it's got a lot of power, but it just lacked character. Mm -hmm. And it, honestly, it was a hot bike. I personally thought it, it was hot. Yeah, My legs were Mm -hmm. on fire like most of the ride now mm -hmm. mind you it wasn't like you know you're not cruising down the highway no. or whatever which is what it's intended for right. let's not confuse ourselves it's an adventure bike right but it's intended to 90 percent highway 90 percent of its adventures will involve starbucks right so and, and you're right. giving me a giant boner because here's the thing so everybody so i have a, a super 10 rate, right mm -hmm. and everybody said it's the most boring bike in the history of motorcycles it's a tractor on two wheels but mm -hmm. that's also one of its benefits because it never dies and that's why i bought it but everybody's like oh dude the ktm 1290 is like a fucking rocket beast it's it's a ferrari and you guys are like no no it's not so i'm just sitting over here going yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> and as you sit on a motorcycle and you start looking at it and you kind of break down okay this is an adventure bike if i take it off road if i drop this bike Let's start counting up the dollars yeah, of, right. of what this would cost to just get back on the road. It won't pass the KLR 650 kick it over in your driveway test. No, it will not. Yeah. Well, That's tough. Yeah, I realize I'm sitting here nervous about opening or cracking a beer on a microphone. This is Cleveland We're, fucking motor. Yeah. What am I waiting for? <laughs> you know, people are paying for the ambiance. <laughs> All right, so I guess I should do my worst bike. You should, yeah. Which was the Nikon. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because I can see what they were talking about mm -hmm. with it having more front-end grip, and it does, mm -hmm. but there's a few major trade-offs there. One is it's heavy as shit. That's grip equals traction. I mean, grip, grip is weight over a contact patch. So the more weight you have on a contact patch, the more 
traction you have, the more grip you have. It's it's mathematical. Yeah. acceleration. I mean, well, no, because you're taking that front end weight and splitting it to two oh, yeah. tires. Believe me. But it does provide more grip. And it took someone who's not an engineer, not yeah. m too much of a motorcyclist, but a motorcyclist to point this out to me. Mm -hmm. So you get the two wheels, because this has yeah. been a whole thing. The internet's been like, okay, it provides more grip because of two wheels. And people right. say, well, but you're splitting but you're the weight. So well, I know how it does, because when the wheels are tilted, yes. right? So normally, if you've got one in line, you know, your right. forks or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, your line, you've got the weights. I'm just holding my mm -hmm. arm straight up in the air for listeners. Right. And that's say I tilt it 45 degrees. Sure. Well, so here's the weights. Yeah. And then here's the tire, which yeah. is my Your center of gravity is still above where your so center of gravity is. So when, when you put that right. in between two wheels, yeah. well, look, your weights coming down right, right on top of one of the contact pads. Exactly. So it's pushing down more weight Absolutely. and creating more grip on that single tire. The second tire mm -hmm. to catch, if something goes wrong, is bullshit. It's good. Yeah, That's right. not what helps. It's right. that, that center of weight stays over the wheels right. no matter which direction you're turning. Oh, yeah. But this is like knocking over a liquor store with an assault rifle instead mm -hmm. of a Desert Eagle. Yeah. Are people's tires just washing out left right. and right in, yeah. the, in the real world yeah. and, and I'm missing it? Right. right. And the so, trade-off is all that weight. <clears throat> Right. So the only real advantage is purely a placebo mm -hmm. for people who lack confidence to ride their motorcycle properly. Yes. Which I'm kind of okay with. Right. However, one, it's heavy as shit. Right. Two, the front end feel is really mushy. Yeah. And third, it is excellent at catching every single pothole. We talked about this with the MP3. Mm -hmm. With any other motorcycle, you can put your front tire not in the pothole, mm -hmm. and your back tires not in the pothole. Yeah. Now, with the Nikon, you now have three options to fuck it up, and they're all offset. Yeah. So, I will say the only reason that the Nikon wasn't the worst bike I rode yesterday, and the KTM was, was because I didn't like the KTM's engine. Mm -hmm. And the Nikon does have the XSR 900 exactly. engine, right. which is a magic engine, a work of art. Yes. Mm -hmm. My problem with the Nikon was I couldn't interpret what the front wheel was doing. Mm -hmm. So any feedback I would ever have from the front wheel was gone because it's no longer in a direct path of connectivity to my hands, and so there is an interference in there and. It would be the same thing as we would say like, okay, now you're riding a motorcycle. You can feel what the front wheel is doing. Now you're driving a car. Can you feel what the wheels are doing? No, because you're disassociated from it. There's, in, there's linkages in between you and those wheels now. So you're no longer having a linear experience between your hands and what's happening at the end of that axle. Does that happen on the Goldwing then? Because the Goldwing has those. Yes. It does. it does happen a little bit on the Goldwing. Not nearly as much, but the, yeah. but the increase in yeah. the comfort on the ride and what the Goldwing is for, it's, meant to, it, yeah. it's worth it. Right. It's a yeah. trade-off yeah. that's worth it. The first time the I rode an MP3, I hated it for that reason. The one thing I did like about the Nikon was the mirrors. Because you've got all that shit up front, the mirrors are like <laughs> another foot away from yes. you, and you've got and amazing six wider. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you do a panoramic view of the mirrors. Yeah, I didn't like the Nikon. Uh, um, yeah. The Nikon, is it, can you pull up to a stoplight and not put your feet down? Or is it yeah. not, it's not no, like that? It's yeah, not those tires will just give. Okay, so it's not something that like a person with one leg. It is a false sense of confidence if you're buying it thinking I have mobility issues right. or balance yeah. issues. 
That was my question. You're going to be able to tip it over the same way you can tip over any other motorcycle. Just be Except now it's going to be harder to pick yeah. up. Right, yeah. So exactly. let's move on to our favorite bikes. Because well, no, I don't want to talk. hasn't given us oh, Yeah, I do, I'm going to say that the worst bike I've ridden in, in a test, um, because I've ridden the Nikon before, so I'm not even going to count it. But I'm going to say that I loved and hated in the same experience the new Royal Enfield Twin. <gasps> okay. Oh. Yeah, fighting words, right? Mm -hmm. So, I have no small amount of experience with vintage-style British parallel twins, right? I've mm -hmm. been doing this thing for a long fucking time. And now what I feel like the Royal Enfield has done is I feel like they have very accurately cloned a W650. Well, the we've, problem we've put was many miles on the W650, yes. and I, I, you're not off base. And my problem is they did it 19 years too late, because with 19 years of any sort of technology, they should be better at it. Because I feel like the brakes were okay. I feel like the acceleration was exactly like every W650 I've ever ridden. I felt that the Fuel injection mapping was exactly the same as a decent CV carb. And I felt that it's the way that it delivered power was it gave you a really wonderful when we when we were kids, we would art we would retard the timing to give ourselves really good launches, but who gave a shit about the top end? Because we're quarter mile at a time. Mm -hmm. And so what I felt like with that bike was that somebody had mapped it so it gave you this wonderful feeling of torque and authority off the line but it ran out of steam real fast so it didn't reward you for spinning it and there was no spin on that motor so a, the nice thing about an XS650 all those years ago was you could spin an XS650 out and it just kept giving you a linear power all the way up the power band and this bike would it would reward you for shifting at 5,000. So shifting it at 5,000, which dropped the RPMs on the next hit to 4,200, kept that bike in its butter zone. That bike's butter zone is 4,200 to 5,200, and that's right where it loves to live, which is perfect for modern hipster riding techniques. But it is not perfect for, I wanna hear it sing. And what our experience with Indian manufactured bikes is, is due to their metallurgy and due to their fabrication process, they do not like high RPM engagements. They like being at lower RPMs. Anybody who's ridden a Bullet 500 will tell you, you don't ride that bike over 65 if you want to ride it for any period of time. Yes. And I feel like in my trip on that 650, it was gassed out at about 75 miles per hour. At 75, it felt like Going any faster than this is going to move pieces faster than they want to move. <laughs> but remember, that's an analog that we used to use for single cylinder 500s. So if you've got a parallel twin 650, it shouldn't be giving you the analog that we used to use for SR 500s. So that's tough. Uh, don't get me wrong, the vintage game they're playing, they're playing it really well. Oh, they're, oh, they're playing it extremely well. And I certainly had one over 65 that I test rode. 
Yeah. It felt fantastic. Yeah. But it I honestly felt really solid. And I think your problem is a problem of too much experience. You understand what it's comparable to. I rode the Kawasaki to. 800, though. I, I think that's the kind of bike that Ooh, you, you look at, yeah. and you're going to get as a beginner a motorcycle, yeah. as a budget-friendly motorcycle, that's the thing. and it's going to do everything you want it to, yeah. and honestly, a little bit more. Yeah, I, and I think that's what that bike should be marketed to, because with a lot of experience, you come to expect more performance. Right. I think someone getting on a beginning motorcycle, yeah. putting it on a single 500, right. you're going to blow it up. Putting on a 650 twin, I think right. you're you're getting them into a better starting mm -hmm. category. In yeah. fairness, they can't really be accused of playing the hipster game more than say Husqvarna were. Oh my, Jesus. with the Vista Pillin or whatever it is. Yeah. You oh know what? My okay, God. hold on. The Pez bike. So, well, so okay. The, the 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 thing about the the Royal Enfield yeah. is that. First of all, I come up from the different angle as mm. it's the greatest first motorcycle of all time. Really. Well, yeah, is someone starting to ride? The price point is just under six thousand dollars. Fit and the interceptor. The fit and finish looks beyond that to okay. me. All right, um, it's, it's, a, it's a standard it's bike. It's, uh, it does all the things. If you're just like twenty four and just made of tough stuff and you don't mind right. putting up with discomfort, you can ride it across the fucking country. Okay. Right. The level of quality that it is that's of an increase over the previous models is a huge gap oh so yeah. i'm just i can't complain about it because i'm like holy crap it's a royal enfield i'll even consider buying right and that's a big thing you're right is the fact that it gets such a high score is because its predecessor was so awful yes and so like yeah when you when you've just got rid of aids and now you only have herpes you're like this is fantastic <laughs> and if you want to dish out like another four hundred dollars to get the continental gg right. it has all the hipster cafe things right. out, of the out of the box it's more cafe yeah. than the w800 right. cafe oh, yeah. and it's the other... more cafe than anything on freaking uh what's it crust for motorcycles oh bike exit bike exit. <laughs> so so um yeah but i mean the thing is the whole appeal of that bike yeah. is all about the style and the fashion and the yeah. image. So if you can have all those things right. and it's at the right price yep. and it's not a disaster, right. like that's hugely in its favor. It's As a we different were walking appeal. up to ride them, I said to Dan, I said, for what it costs, right. all this bike has to be is not terrible. And that's the crazy thing. Like that's that moving the goalpost thing. You just have to not suck, right? You just have to be good. Uh, it's the poor man's uh, Triumph. It's the poor man's Bonneville. Right. But it, it does all the Bonneville things. Right. Like, like in the real world. Like Would you be further ahead really buying a two-year-old Bonneville? I don't think so. Because I do it every single day. I mean, this is what I do. I buy and sell motorcycles. I would, I personally would tell you that I would tell a customer or a new rider, my, my younger brother decided he's going to start riding motorcycles, um, and, and I was going to give him some sage advice and he said I'm not sure whether I'm going to buy this the Enfield 650 or I'm going to buy a, a two or three year old Bonneville you know T100 I might tell him to go with the Bonneville because there's a hell of a lot more experience of tons and tons of problem free miles being put on that Bonneville I don't think it really matters yeah. because the person who's going to buy an Enfield yeah. already knows they're going to buy an Enfield. You're right. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Nobody ever came into my shop when I was an Enfield dealer and said, I'm not sure if I want the Enfield. They straight up 
fucking made me sell them that bike. Well, yeah. the, the Enfield buyer is, yeah. is in between buying a Bonneville or buying an Enfield. But the thing no, is, it's usually between buying a Bonneville and buying a casket, usually. Well, okay. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but it was like, their, their dream is the Bonneville, but... Mm-hmm. If they don't have Bonneville money, right. then they were going into yeah, the I agree. Yeah. And, and they're still yeah. in that zone because the price yeah. point hasn't moved up that much. No, only really like another eight hundred dollars no, for like eight times more motorcycle. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I would agree with you if this was a brand new motorcycle. Right. But this motorcycle's already been on sale overseas for almost two years. No, I disagree completely. I disagree completely. And, and if that was the logic, then all of those bullet five hundreds that exploded and failed miserably in America would have been exploding and failing miserably in their previous owner's hands too. And that's the strange thing about dealing with that Indian men, that that Indian manufacturing. We saw so many failures that came down to the quality of the metal used in the bike because the standards of use, the way a bike was being used in its home country it's why a person cannot own a Ural in the United States and drive it like we drive in the United States and expect to own it for a long time. They have to change their behavior right. if they want to keep the bike because you have to take your all class. Like you, you don't just grab the Ural and jump on it the way you jump on your Honda CB500F. You have to jump on that bike the way you have to ride it the way a Ural is meant to be ridden, which is different than you ride most things. Short shifting. Yes. A lot. And not go over 55, ever, no matter how much your situation demands that you go over 55. And there are elements of owning certain motorcycles, and we found that out with, I still, if you think that I sound like I don't trust Royal Enfield, you're right. Because nobody sitting here at this table has has their hands burned as many times as my hands have been burned by carrying that particular product. So they're going to have to do a lot of things to get me to believe that it's safe to go in the water. Because right now, all of those Continental G, all those Continental GTs, all those 500 Continental GTs, which was the chassis that was supposed to carry this new motor, but the new motor couldn't get done in time. All of those bikes had really fucking bad problems, super bad problems that no motorcycle manufacturer should ever Put out into the world. Sure, so, but hindsight is twenty twenty. So hindsight's twenty twenty. That shit should have never made its market. But when oh, you I'm... first started selling the Continental GTs, yeah. you were pimping the Continental GTs. You were pimping I Royal Enfield. Until out. when? Until they started failing. Until they blew up. Well, yeah, exactly. then the proof is in the pudding. I'm at about that to point. do a magic trick. Yeah. Royal Enfield is a lot like Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The original trilogy, this is the Royal Enfield we know of the 50s right. and whatever, right? Up and really until like the years they were involved with Indian, right? Like, because mm-hmm. there were some bad things that happened there. Yeah. But whatever, right? right? You know, yes. Return of the Jedi had some problems, right? So that's right. But overall, like, part of history, yeah. fondly remembered, right. rose colored glasses, right. we're all good. Yeah. So, the Indian made ones mm-hmm. and the. Bullet classic and whatever. This is episodes one through three. Right. We were promised so much. Exactly. And wow, yeah. did we get let down. Yeah. I absolutely. mean, this is disappointment on levels of the Nintendo Wii. Right. And yeah. then, can we at least agree yeah. that 
this new 650 yeah. motor, while it might not be the Star Wars we always wanted right. or promised, it's at least episode seven. Right. We're okay with this. We're okay. One. Yeah, I and that was right. And that was my opinion when I wrote it. When I wrote it, I was I have that problem where I will never say it's good because it's seven factors better than the last one. You know, a Yugo GD plus is still a fucking Yugo, right? And I won't trust it. And that's and you can do what you want to make it into a GD plus, but it's still a fucking Yugo. And it's going to have to earn my respect. When I rode that thing, I was like, you know what? The switch gear feels good. Like, the seat material, well, it still feels cheap. You know, it is what it is. That's every modern motorcycle seat, though. No. From the factory. No. Oh, they all feel terrible. No. I disagree. I rode a BMW F700, 800 GS down here that felt like magic the whole way down here. And it's a 2015. And it's got the factory seat on it. And I rode the Goldwing, and it felt like fucking heaven. Like, like individual, 2,000 individual angels were massaging my ass bones. Yeah, but good. You know, seats, sure, but yeah. comparable. You're comparing apples to oranges yeah. there. Compared to some other bike that Motor is Gucci in that category. Seats are category Motor compared seats to that SR900 seat. Your seat is literally a skateboard. Your seat is a skateboard. What are we talking about? about. You're not a qualified seat. It felt like a good seat. It felt felt like a great seat. You know why? It didn't have wheels on it. It did not have actual polyurethane. This is a strange hill for you to die on. So to me, that was like, I was so happy with it because I hadn't had a chance to ride one yet. Right. So I was so happy with it, and I was like, damn, this is a really this is a really competitive bike now. And I read the Cycle World article where they basically said, if you're considering buying the W800, and their shootout between the Enfield 650 and the W800 kind of said, buy the Enfield. And I was like, wow, man, their dealer network is gonna have to get a lot better to live up to that if we have things that are starting to fail. And so let's make sure that we can support that because the one thing that I will tell you about that W800 and even about the old W650s and stuff that I've ridden is we know that those bikes you could put just obscene miles on forever and ever and ever, amen. And that they were gonna be there forever. So I guess if somebody said, do you buy the W800 or you buy the Royal you know, the, the Royal Enfield 650, I'd say like, buy like the, uh, the Honda like CB500X. I guess we can sum this up with Phil has been used and abused. I have been overfilled. Although it may look promising, a Point lot of on healing. The doll where Royal Enfield touched you. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, a lot of healing right. will have to take place before. I'm not trust saying he's a bad. Restored. I'm not. Hey guys, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just gonna say he may have some issues he needs to work out, and I'm sure he'll be great for you. But our relationship didn't end so well, and like you know, maybe it might have been me. I don't know. You know, I'm willing to take some blame on that. But you know, there's just certain things we're not gonna do in the bedroom anymore. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that's cool. When the 10th 650, Royal Enfield 650, comes into your shop with 27,000 miles on it for a valve adjustment, yeah, then right. maybe you'll be like... Oh, I was going to say, yeah. we used to have that rule about Chinese bikes. If you can show me a Chinese scooter with more than 5,000 miles on it, right. I'll be, I'll then accept your statement that it's a pretty good bike. <laughs> the, uh, but as far as greatness, I experienced greatness. 
I feel like I experienced greatness. Now you rode, you rode the 401. Did you ride the 701? I rode the 701. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I rode the 401. You rode the 401. Okay. I rode the smart. You rode the. I rode the smart Vipolin or whatever. No, so I rode smart the smart pillin. Okay. You rode the Vipolin. I can never keep the name. So no, smart pillin, it's a, it's a thing that they made back in the day. Yeah. I believe the translation, bonus points, yeah. does anyone know what it what means? What is it, black arrow, white arrow, or something like that? Silver arrow. Ah, that's what it is. Right? Excellent. That's close. Excellent. So uh, the 401, I said about a year and a half ago that the that the 401 Vipolin or smart pillin yeah. Was the best bike in the world. We it's a proven platform. Yeah. It's a Duke three ninety. It's a Duke three ninety. We all love the shit of it. People have just expounded on the greatness of the engine and the frame and all the. Oh, things. until they overheat and warp the head gasket, they're magnificent. Well, you guys had a particularly not a good one. <laughs> no, no, no. The 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 whole race series of three nineties had particularly bad ones because they all warped heads too. I mean, we have factory techs that are friends of ours that will regale you with stories of like, and there's another head gasket. Because apparently they weren't meant to go out on racetracks under teenagers, you know? So it's, 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 it's a, not a motor that hasn't had its share of heat and earned some ire. Yeah. Okay, well yeah. anyway, yeah. I, I said, you know, the, the, the 701 is yeah. just too much money for what it is. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You are approaching, yeah. like, you can just buy a two-year-old Ducati, like, super bike. Yeah. For what they cost. Oh, my God, yes. What's the MSRP what? on it? It's like 11000 It's 11990 I believe. Yeah, it's $12,000. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, for, for that motor. For a single. Yeah, mm -hmm. for a single cylinder. Now, yeah. the weird thing about it, and I think I would have had more fun on the 401 than the 701. Yeah? Because the way it's designed is, generally, I short shift a lot. Yep. And the way they've designed it is that it's counterbalanced for close to red line. Oh, yeah. So oh. if you're doing 65 on the highway, yeah. you need to be in fourth gear. Probably fourth gear. Yeah. yeah. So if you're in sixth gear at 65 miles an hour, your hands are just buzzing yeah. on the bar. I, I made like the you, same mistake. It's ridiculous. You expect a now, big thumper single to be like... I'm a big thumper single. Like you've all, everybody. I don't care how poor you are. You've ridden a 650 Savage. You've ridden an LS, right? Like it's one of those requirements. It's like I got a cruiser. No, you got half a cruiser, right? You have one cylinder just thrusting at your testicles. That's all you have. But when you yeah. ride them, they give you that like, don't rev me out. Yeah. And this bike was like, you dumb shit. What are you doing wrong? I want to be up here. Right, yeah. which makes perfect sense with the 401 because yep. that's because it's in a the play bike. Yeah, yeah. So you get to just abuse it, yep. and well, it rewards you for it. But the 701, it's just it's too much for the way it expects to be ridden. So cars yeah. on the table, the 401 was the most fun bike I rode. Yeah, absolutely. A, a, like by far, yeah. I, I enjoyed. I thought the the 650 has the potential to be like technically the best one when you balance. Who it's for, right. what it means for the market, how good it is for the price point, oh, yeah. the implications of it, and right. my overall sort of being yeah. win the show. You know, I mean, because technically the best bike on there was the new Goldwing, yeah, obviously. Well. But but the one that I had the most fun on was the four hundred one 
by far. Mm-hmm. I was laughing inside my helmet, yeah. and God damn it, 45 miles an hour was fucking fun again. It's fucking hilarious. It's the classic case of riding something small as fast as it'll go. You it hit that good. rev limiter so quick, and it's just silly and fun. The red light flashes at you. It was so you. good because it's not that good. I'll tell you what, people say it handles really well. It handles kind of sketchy. Yeah. It t- it's because it handles a little too well. So it's just like, it's about to just tip in when you're going anywhere. Well, and you were on the, 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 the ones, you were on the cafe style. Mine yeah, had I had the drop bars. bars. Right. The race bars was solid. Oh, I it completely was really convinced good. that I was riding a dirt bike, a proper dirt bike. And I rode the 701 with the higher bars. So riding the 701 with the higher bars, I was like, you know what this is? This is an XR600. Huh. You know, this is an XR600 with with sticky street meat on it. This is Knox bike. This is seriously, this yeah. is a bike that is meant to have the valves adjusted every 93 seconds. <laughs> right. And this is a bike that is going to be like if you don't have the front wheel in the air, you are not riding this bike correctly. Right. And I so when I was riding it, I felt like it was my DRZ 400 SM with with you know a testicle enhancement did like, they have the 701 enduro or no no no, no. Oh, I so i my favorite bike actually yeah. was pretty much the same motor yeah the uh ktm uh 690 smc yeah smc yeah which is counterbalanced for a much lower rev range and that yes. was fantastic that's fucking cool man and that bike is happiest at 3,500, 4,500 RPM of just like, right. yeah, I'm here for you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, a totally was, different experience. Yeah. That was a much better bike. So was your favorite the 401 as well? 401 was definitely my favorite. It was yeah. just, it just felt good. It just felt like something you could hoon around town yeah. on oh, and yeah. just be yeah. a total asshole. Yeah. Well, this I said about the 401, and this is a rare case. It's, it would be a great bike for someone to start out on. But it would also be a great second bike for someone who's ridden a while. Oh yeah, and that's rare yeah. when it's the when it hits both ends of the mm-hmm. spectrum, right? Like the the, the Royal Enfield six hundred and fifty. I don't know if there's room in my life for it because right. you know it's not this like spectacle motorcycle that gives you this unique feeling. Right. It just does the job in a really efficient, great way for a low price point for a lot of people, and yeah. that's a great thing. But it's not going to add anything to my motorcycle yeah. life. I thought that the Husqvarna 401 was a DRZ 400 for people who were the first guy to have an iPhone. Like the first guy to have like a cool techie weird fucking, because the bike's a fucking yeah, weird If you get it, bike. you're the, going to be yeah. the only the person that bike weird fucking bike. Absolutely. I mean, this is Ikea furniture that you ride around with the motor <laughs> underneath it. It's and grown on me though. Yeah, well, again, that's that thing is like, I. I was riding around and I was like, this is hilarious, but I was having the exact same experience I have in my DRZ 400. So like the DRZ 400 has the same power parameters, it has the same happy, silly behavior. It does, except for it's a DRZ. Right. But now if you're running a DRZ SM, you are that guy. Like you have become that dude. Yeah, basically, so what you're saying is the 401, just like that is a bike that 
when you go out and ride it, you're gone for an hour. You come home and you're happy you didn't get arrested. Yep. But it's not a bike that you're going to ride for fucking six hours yeah. to go to. Yeah. yeah, people complained about how awful the seat is. Yeah. And they were like, these guys were like, I don't know, the seat seemed fine. I yeah. was like, yeah, I get it's got an awful seat. But yeah. I was like, who's going to be on this for more than 45 <laughs> minutes? Yeah. yeah, and the fuel capacity is going to give you a range mm-hmm. that... You're never going to ever hit anything resembling what they 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 say the ranges the miles per gallon of the bike because you're always caning it. I don't know. Like when I started off on yeah. that ride, it, it had been filled up, and yeah. I was the first person to ride it that yeah. day. So I pulled out of the parking lot, and on the like what two point nine gallon tank it is or whatever, yeah. it said range three hundred miles. <laughs> Well, we know that's not possible. Well, that's not possible, yeah. but I remember when I got yeah. back after riding, it was still read like, you know, 283 or something. Yeah. Like it wasn't dropping at a ridiculous yeah. rate. I was like, and I was just thinking to myself, like, who has the endurance? Because you have to ride it at 11 everywhere you go. Right. Could we right? please give this bike a, a, a seven, like a 0.75 gas tank? It's like, look, I know I'm much larger and stronger than her. But just because of pure raw experience, Bridget the Midget is probably better at sex than I am. And she would wear my ass out. And so would this motorcycle. (laughs) So it says it says it gets about fifty eight fifty four to fifty eight miles. That's what it should get for that. So what's the tank? Three gallons. I'll bet you it was seven kilometers. Yeah. I'll bet you it was seven. That's a that's a hundred and fifty mile range, hundred and eighty mile range max. I'll bet you the gauge was still in clicks. Yeah, it's weird. It said miles. Oh, did it? Three hundred miles. We did three rides yesterday. Yeah, I I just remember being like, "Good God, that's ridiculous." Mm -hmm. Well, even digital gauges lie. It's true. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) This was this was a Husqvarna test unit for a pretty new motorcycle. That's true. True. And yet, okay, so I will be. I'll admit, my absolute favorite bike was the Goldwing DCT airbag. Yes. Yes. It was my ultimate favorite bike, and yet it was the absolute worst demo ride. Like, I know. In the history of demo oh. rides I've taken in my life, the Honda demo ride was garbage. Husqvarna's actually was probably one of the best ones. Yeah, because it was a was small excellent. group. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, they did sell you off for taking taking pictures while I was riding yeah, on yeah. the demo ride. Yeah. Pulling out his camera. Way to go, Dan. Taking shots of me, and it was good too because like. Everyone else had these like super stuffy, like ultra, ultra, like level six um, MSF instructor type ride guides. Yeah. And Husqvarna had like yeah. two Couple dudes bros. in their oh, early my 20s. Husqvarna. Like, yo, son, which one are you going to take out, man? Yeah. Oh, my Husqvarna guy <laughs> was very much like, so, like, you want to rip it? 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 No wheelies. You want to rip it? We're not allowed to shoot any wheelies, but we're going to rip it pretty hard if you want to rip it. I was like, if they did some oh, rip, rips it again, I'm going to be like, fucking dude, I'm 50 fucking years old. I will rip it. You know? And I've got nothing to lose. I'll rip my pants. I think this is your bike. <laughs> oh, dude. At the, uh, at the AIM Expo last year in Vegas, yeah. I ended up, because it was just so dead and nobody was riding the SSRs, I took the TNT 300 out, oh. and I got that up to 90 miles an hour on the street. On <laughs> 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 the Vegas On the Vegas what are the, uh, What's the one that runs up alongside the airport, like just off Yeah, yeah, it? McCarran, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, shout out to 90. Uh, okay. No, didn't you say on that ride, it was because they didn't even have a follower. It was just you and, and the one guy. Yeah. Oh, really? And, and, yeah. and then as, as you were like getting back like onto the strip, yeah, the guy, the guy pulled up and he goes, look, 
I'm like an off-duty cop. I know how these lights are timed. If you want to just let it go, yeah, I you do it. And that's then what I he took said. extreme license with that statement. <laughs> Holy shit! Best best drive ever. Ages ago, uh, when Christ was a private, and Aprilia was still selling Supermos, um, you know, Aprilia had this whole line of slightly explodable SVXs and all these weird yeah. mutant bikes that they built that lasted minutes. And in fact, while they were doing a demo for us, they blew up like four <laughs> motorcycles. Um, while they Wait, were doing... that's not the Aprilia I know. I know. Well, they used to, <laughs> you'd buy a motorcycle and they'd give you an extra one for free that you couldn't title just so you could harvest parts off of it for your bike. That's real. Look it up. The, uh, we were in Palm Springs, no stranger to heat there, in the off season because it's 131 degrees, and we're doing demo rides on explosive Aprilias in the mountains above Palm Springs. So we would go out in the parking lot and your face would just fucking melt off. And you're supposed to be wearing all this gear. Right. They didn't tell anyone you had to bring all your own gear to do demo rides. Yet we have every Vespa, Piaggio, Guzzi, and Aprilia dealer in North America at this event in the middle of fucking Palm Springs. You wanna take a demo ride? You bet your balls I wanna take a demo ride, but I didn't bring a helmet because that shit is hard to put on a plane. Right. And you didn't tell me I had to. So, oh no, here's 300 Vespa copter pilot helmets. Now get on the Tuono and try not to die in your little shorty helmet. And yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, great. You, know, you, mean it's a, you mean it's a 140 horsepower motorcycle and I'm on brand new tires in the goddamn Palm Springs 130 degree heat and the mirrors are sagging because it's so hot out? And they're like, yeah, and we're gonna take you up in the mountains above Palm Springs and we're gonna put you with like, you know, do a Mel and all these dudes that race fucking motorcycles and that's their demo ride leaders. If you pass me in the demo ride, come and see me afterwards. We want to hire you for our race team was the briefing. The other guy said, if you pass me in the demo ride, you'll be in a helicopter on your way to the, the hospital. This was the challenge levied at every single person that threw a leg over a motorcycle. And you were like, this is going to be an adventurous ride. And it was. And no point ever did anybody in the demo ride have a chance of catching the guy leading the demo ride. Because these guys were like, it's 131 degrees outside. I'm getting you to the top of that mountain as fast as humanly possible. And yeah, there'll be you know, grit and gravel in the corners. And we don't fucking care because I'd rather be laid out up there than be in this fucking hot ass parking lot one minute longer. And I've been on some of the greatest demo rides of my life in that fucked up weird weekend of Palm Springs still in the summertime. Demo rides are weird. Yeah. You know, some are like 15 minutes of like, that was great. I want to do 15 minutes more. And others are like, what the fuck happened to my demo ride? We're stuck in gridlock traffic. Oh, and then there's Harley's, which is choose your own adventure. Yeah. <laughs> what the shit, guys? Okay, oh, I, love I, it. I need to talk about our Harley demo rides for a couple minutes because Dan is out of fucking control, it turns out, when you give him a big twin Harley Davidson. No, no, let's clarify. A CBO. Oh, no, 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 no. It no, wasn't no, just the, the CBO. CBO. You don't oh, really? know the whole story. <laughs> so, I showed up for the CBO. So right as we get off the Royal Enfield, yeah. I was like, guys, we got to ride some Harleys. And yeah. Dan was like kind of quiet, so he was like, I don't know. And I was like, look, like, 
we're not the biggest Harley people, but it's been two years now, and people are like, the soft tails are the best bikes right. they've ever made, yeah. the Milwaukee 8, blah, 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 right. blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and last year I rode an FXDR and was kind of like, ooh, yep. this is this is crazy. I don't yeah. want one, but this is a distinctly different Harley experience. Yes. Oh, and that's what spoke to me. And cheers oh. to Harley Davidson for being uncharacteristically swing army. Yes, like, you know, acknowledging like, swing yeah, arms exist. Exactly. <laughs> and so, so I go and I go, one of you guys has to ride the NXDR. Yeah. Right. And they only had one available to ride. And I was like, I'm going to find the most Harley Harley there is. Unfortunately, there's not a 1994 fat boy here. So <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going for the CBO. Right. Yeah, I'm true. going for the thing with everything. Yeah. The oh, most, you to. like you said, yeah. the most fuck off Harley Davidson. Fuck you, Harley The baggeriest of baggers. Oh, it was oh the douchiest of bags, yep. and so and Swingy's still like I don't know, and he's really dragging his ass about <laughs> signing up. And like me and Dan are both sitting on the bike, oh, with them started, uh, like ramping up, and he finally like reluctantly gets on something, and we ride. <laughs> now we make it only blocks out of the place, and Dan just starts blasting out of red lights and there is a whole an entire mc next to us yeah an entire mc now were they also doing demo ride yes oh yeah yeah so the the harley (laughs) demo ride to try to make themselves edgy so the general public mcs can come in and harley will let them do test rides but they're like oh yeah aim expo Specifically said, our bare minimum requirements for all the test rides, regardless right. of what your rules are, right. is DOT helmet right. and long sleeve t-shirt. And uh, this shoes. was shoes a bridge cool. too far for a lot of the MCs. <laughs> what is well, not that, but but they, now, what's but great? Harley's policy was that they were not allowed to wear their colors and shit on the test rides. Oh, that's so why they, they had, had a that. huge supply of triple XL yellow t-shirts. <gasps> <sighs> it was magic. Yeah, the so t-shirts only it's came a whole bunch of really angry looking and bikers in, in little brain buckets with these yellow t-shirts on. And they're like angry anyway because they're bikers. Why were they pink? I know, right? Oh my god. And they're double oh, angry so because of, so so we're riding, right? And they It was great. Two of them stalled on the first at uh, the first rest. So at first <laughs> they mistook us for part of the brotherhood. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So so well, Dan takes put off, off by and full jackets and help, full face helmets. So Dan takes off and so does one of their guys. Yeah. And, and like kind of the leader goes to me like, hey, every group's got a rebel. We got ours and you got yours. Look at him. And another one goes, he's not riding in formation. That ain't correct. And grumble, 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 grumble. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I just blast off to catch yeah. up to Dan and John's behind me. And they start getting really upset with the way we're riding. We're not riding the way. No we're way. not to code. And they start showing up at lights behind us, and they're shaking their heads, thinking, "Who are these disrespectful people? Don't they know who now, we wait, are?" Wait, wait. And... The code isn't write it like you stole it, because <laughs> that's the code I was brought up so, on. So, so he has blasted it on this FXDR <laughs> everywhere, just riding like a total dick. The way just... that bike is supposed to be written, it is perhaps the new diamond. Except I it said, is, yeah. "Look." 
I said on the ride, when we get back, we need to all take out Harleys again. Right. But you guys, like you, like Jonathan needs to get on the FXDR. Okay, right. I said, Dan, this CVO is so ridiculous. Maybe you FX need to see what this oh, is about. Mind you, Pete's keeping up on the CVO. Of course. Well, I'm, not, I'm not just like going off by oh, myself. I was scraping oh, no. floorboards on the CVO. <laughs> Absolutely I yeah. was. That, well, I was doing the same on the Road King. Right. Yeah. yeah. So... What so so Dan gets his hands on the CVO, and if anything, rides even more recklessly. Oh, within it's... two, maybe one minute of getting on it, I found the classic rock station and yeah. Yeah. put oh, it to oh, volume yeah. of uh, 11. 11. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like yeah. you do. Oh, yeah. Like you do. I, Mark, I did you that with Foreigner. You were there was on, a foreigner on the CVO station. You was yeah, cold yeah, exactly. It was mad. <laughs> but they were just Welcome getting more and more and more angry because there were still more MCs. I I think it's hilarious. Oh, it was. But it wasn't as hilarious as the dude that was on the first few test rides with us. Dan kept pissing people off on test rides all fucking day. Shocking. Like, there was this guy that was really obsessed with oh, who, yeah. who was riding staggered and who wasn't. Oh, from Yamaha on, that guy gave me the stink eye. Uh, so we started at Yamaha, and like at one point, like this uh, ride leader, he's taking us over three lanes of traffic, and right. no one was prepared for this. Right. And everything gets a little just, yeah. you know. But Dan sees a gap, and he goes, I'm just going to sort of reestablish yeah. the staggered formation and like gets in front of this guy, whatever. This dude does not take it well. S- goes in front, basically parks his bike in front of Dan, <gasps> leans out and points down at the road where he thinks Dan should be. Oh, and, really? And then gives a finger yeah. wag. Oh, my God. Now, at this, I see all this like unraveling, and I am laughing my ass off. <laughs> and, like, and like no one else is sharing my joy. So at one point, I feel the need to blast by Dan and, and wave at my finger nice. in the ground as well. And Dan just starts losing it. But the real, the real problem oh was God. the guy was checking his mirrors and saw me do so it and saw Dan laugh. So it got a little uncomfortable at the next red light. And he just starts looking at us, shaking his head. On a totally separate test ride later on, I think it was the KTM one, the same sort of situation emerges except this time the dude feels the need to go up to the ride leader at a red light oh really give the ride leader the third degree on the fact that he doesn't seem to be able to hold a lane position so he he chastises the ride leader for not holding a lane position and then starts giving the thumb back and these fucking assholes back here aren't riding correctly either. Meanwhile, me and Dan are just laughing. I was going to say. Just like, ah, ha, 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 I would have made it my business to be my personal, I would be his personal burr in his saddle. I like, shit yeah. you not. This guy keeps going, yeah, but but lane positions away, and he gets he and the right. ride and the the ride captain is saying like totally reasonable things like right. I have to keep a view of everyone in my mirrors. Sure. I may change lane positions, right. you know, like yeah. normal shit. Yeah. And he's it. like, but but lane positions, and he's like, look, I will point backwards to you if <laughs> I need you to maintain you to a certain else. spot behind <laughs> me. But let's not get caught up on this. And he's like, but lane position. And then the ride leak, ride captain just slams his visor and just takes yeah. off. Like, Fuck yeah. I don't have time for this anymore. Fuck that. And when that dude got off that ride, okay. he immediately like like looked at me, looked like he was about to like take this further, and then 
did like a like an eight year old like hissy fit like stormed <laughs> off and stormed off and went and bitched to his friend. Yeah. <laughs> what's this guy? What's this guy's physical appearance? Like what? He, uh, he's silver late, hair, in silver the hair, late fifties, early sixties. You mean a white? You mean a white guy in his sixties? Maybe a little overweight. Yeah, a little upset with you doing upset. something that he's not. Exactly. You know, doesn't care for and doesn't have situational awareness himself. Yeah. Mm. Do you know? And that's that's wherever he works, he's the head of health and safety. Right. And, and that is one of those check your privilege moments because Dan rides scooters. So when you ride scooters, you don't get any respect. So you have to take every opportunity you can take right. because nobody's going to yield for anything you do ever. Yeah. You ride for your life. That's exactly it. Even when you're right and super duper right, you're wrong as fuck because you are riding for your life on scooters. Mm -hmm. And nobody feels like you're above them. Like, Right. The whole world is just like you're under everybody when you ride a scooter and you have to find the hole and you have to put yourself in that strange position that other people are not and aware if of. if you're riding them in the yeah. place that they were invented, you're allowed right. to make those yep. holes. Exactly. You're allowed to filter up to mm -hmm. the front of the light so that you can go fuck off because right. off the line on a scooter, right. I'm going to do whatever we're gonna have fun. I'm going to do. That's a, that's so you that's go to Europe and that's what yeah. they're for. That's 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 the market. That's what a scooter's yeah. done for. I've got to bring something we'll up. We'll evolve eventually. <laughs> so <laughs> it seems to be evolving from what I've heard about AIM a couple years ago and having gone to AIM last year. Mm -hmm. This year was no different. Every year... There's a surprise manufacturer with a name that we really need to discuss further. Okay. Oh, yeah. Last year, it was Dong Fang. <laughs> of course, the Dong, the mighty Dong Fang. The mighty <laughs> Dong Fang. This year, did anyone see the name that we need to talk about? I, I saw several, but go ahead. Oh, what's yours? Cooter. Cooter, yes. Cooter. If, now, we really need to get Dong Fang and Cooter <laughs> together. together. <laughs> I see a merger in those companies' That's future. Strange did, they have, did they have two dots over the O so it was Cooter? Cooter. Uh, well, it was Q O O T E R. So really. Oh, D E R. Cooter. Cooter. So you're Cooter. really just free to pronounce it any yeah. way you want. Put some stank on it. I feel it's appropriate. Yeah, definitely. I, this idea of search engine optimization to make sure that your product isn't being competed with mm. has gotten ridiculous. And I mean, yes, we can appreciate that Dong Fang means something there, <laughs> and it means something to them, and it's probably a very well-respected ancient name. However, they didn't have to work hard, too hard to get their website. They were the only dongfang@gmail.com. Dong right? They did not have to be dongfang123 at gmail.com. The real Dong The real Dong Fang. Dong Fang. <laughs> and the cooter thing, I looked at that and I was like, what marketing fucking nerd is like, no, no, trust me. It worked with Uber. It worked with Lyft. It'll work with Cooter. <laughs> and they're like, so yeah, we're going to put a Q and then we're going crazy from there. And that's what happened. And I was like, looking at that shit, uh, the amount of epic fail... I have to I have to stroke my silver beard at some point and my silver back because this thing that we just did, the AM Expo, goes back to the days of the Indie Dealer Expo. Right. And these things were all created by Dealer News Magazine and, and all these basic publications for marketing direct to motorcycle dealers and getting motorcycle dealers that don't leave their places of business in the wintertime to go to a place where they could be gang fuck irate by all kinds of products that they didn't know they needed 
in one building. And that's what they always were. And the Chinese took full advantage of that to their own peril. So at some point many years ago, a few years ago, the guys that run these places said, hey, his $1,000 for 100 square feet is just as good as your $1,000 for 100 square feet. And the world operates in the shape of a 10 by 10 easy up. So it's how many easy ups are you going to pay for in your spot? And it turns out the Chinese, a bunch of little dogs, weigh more than one big dog. And you, these little strange breakout rooms that you guys saw today, these little cluster homes of like these little weird, sad Chinese apartment blocks of yeah. booths that were just like one lonely Asian person in there that was just like, I would love to communicate with you, but I am not equipped to operate in your language. Please look at my clutch levers. Yeah. And I that's what there at lunch and it smelled terrific. I'm sure it did because they all had their own noodle pots. They were all exactly. made, yeah. I, well, they're there because maybe not all of them, mm -hmm. but like three of them yeah. probably closed a couple million dollar deals. And and yes, and that's the idea is you're sending a person, you're sending a crate of stuff to the United States to do this event with the, the prize of getting, you know, a distributor in the United States who's willing to then go through the paperwork to represent your product in the United States and that you can now nurture that response. It has been many things. The, you know, we saw we all saw the self-balancing scooters. There were no less than fifteen electric bicycle conveyances there. Oh yeah, that nobody would call motorcycles. You were able to ride anything from one yep. wheel, yep, all the way up to four wheels. easily. Right, electric in the building. Yes, yeah, and that's pretty amazing that they. If you want to talk about the exceptions, I should point out that guy was Japanese. Not oh, that guy. that guy! That guy! Yeah. No, that one guy was. Yeah. The rest of them. Also, well, we know Phil's history with to invent this machine with Search. handlebars, and then was very insistent that neither he nor anyone else should touch the handlebars. No touch. That guy no. told no. me fifteen times, "This is a one-wheel thing that you sit on instead of standing on." So, like, it's like a ski lift T-bar with a yeah. wheel. The mono wheel, which we all know and love, if you you know if you've ever met Alex Vespa man. Uh, are the famous Russian doctor. Oh, they'll meet him soon. They will meet him soon. <laughs> um, but this guy, I mean, he, he was the first one of our friends to buy a mono wheel and then brought it out so we could all play with it. Describe to people what a mono wheel is. Most people don't know. Um, it's a snowboard or a skateboard where oh, yeah, I, all yeah. of the requisite wheels are removed except one is bifurcating the length of the board, pointing so when you're goofy foot or regular foot and you're looking down the hill, the wheel is moving in conjunction with where you would be. So you lean the bike, you lean the board forward. It's just like snowboarding, and it except it conveys you at like up to 12, 14 miles per hour, and it's brilliant. One team designed a skateboard with four wheels. The right. second team went yes. with one big wheel. <laughs> so this one today was basically the unicycle version of that, but because people are inherently lazy, it had a seat, and because apparently once people have a seat, they need a place to put their hands. Yeah. So this was the 1984 La Run, but look it up, uh, the 1983 or 84 La Run, but done with Segway self-balancing writing technology, yeah. but having handlebars that this guy was emphatic that we were not allowed to use. Yeah, and the brake lever. Yeah. There's a brake lever on it too, and he's like, no touch, no touch, no, touch no, no, no. So would you guys like to know what happened when you touched the brakes? I don't want to know it because he pointed me at Kawasaki and I was just like, Nobody oh, knows. No. I can tell Nobody you. Nobody knows what happened. I, I crashed immediately. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
So he's right, first of all. His complete lack of the English language. Um, he's absolutely right. And I got on it, and I did all the things that you do on a Segway. You know, you think about going forward, you go forward. You think about going backwards, you go backwards. You right. can left and turn and right and everything else just based on ass, you know, rectal sphincter positioning. And I've ridden all of these dumb things, you know, even the little bullshit burn your house down hoverboards. Right. And I love that. For a 50-year-old, six foot one, 200-pound person, I'm okay at them. Like, I can keep up with your average 11-year-old. And getting on this thing, I was like, <laughs> I need to touch those bars. <laughs> Quit telling me I can't touch the bars. Now, the real problem with yeah. those is that it's because there's only one wheel, yes. you can't turn in place. No, you can't. That is it's like a, a real big problem. It's like a wave runner. It only turns when you're thrusting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's pointing you right at Kawasaki. Really, really expensive things. And you're yeah. like, holy shit, if I get this thing even going. Yeah. And steering doesn't no. happen. Oh, no. no that's No, bad. no. As that's soon bad. as he put no, me no, on no. it, I was like, the second time he hit my hand, because my hand naturally falls on the handlebars. The second time oh, he was like, like Mr. Miyagi, like fucking Miyagi. The second time he hit my hands, I was like, "Fuck your stupid world! I can do this!" And I took off down the aisle. So I skied down the aisle, and I made my right hand turn. I just, you know, once you figure out the way their systems work, they all work the same. Right. It's like it's an inertial guidance system, right? So I shot down the hallway, well out of his range. He couldn't chase me and catch me. Because I had. Did you secretly touch the bars? When I did. So <laughs> as soon as I made a right hand turn by touch the helmet. the bars right, whenever I want. And I did. And what happened is, as soon as you touch the bars, the reason the bars are there is so you can lean into it to make it go faster. That's why the bars are there. That's why you can start leaning, sure. And so when you lean the bars into it, you change your body position in front, your center of gravity goes much in front of the wheel, which says, giddy up, baby. So become that chimp on the Segway video you do, that's yeah. just giving it all oh, the goose. It's at maximum thrust all the time. Oh, you throw a 12-year-old on the thing and, and I master it in about 10 minutes. Oh, that was fantastic. I leaned all the way into it. I grabbed the bars and went, and it went, and I was surprised at how fast it went. 15, it said on the thing. It was going at least, Phil scared by power of three. So, okay. The, the, but then I hit the brakes. The, the only, the, like, the, the Mr. Miyagi, who was not letting anyone touch the bars and spoke no English, was really confusing because there was a great big fat uh, African American American gentleman yeah. there who never got off no. one of these things. No. And as we were sitting there messing with one, yeah. I remember, like, there's one just sitting there turned on, yeah, right? Turned on. And I just, like, grabbed the, I wasn't on it, but I just grabbed the handlebars and, like, tried to push right it around. over. And, of course, it was, like, fighting my hand. I was yeah. like, oh, it won't, like, go down, guys. And, like, my hands around. I'm like, Peter, Peter was fucking with it, like, a redneck trying to crash, like, the Google car. Right, try to crash. Like, can we try to crash? I said to Swiggy, I said, Swiggy, get on it. Get on it. Like, you know, it's here to test. And he's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to. I'm like, get on the thing. And this dude who was just riding the thing around in circles. No, he was on the suitcase. around the booth on the suitcase version. He was on the electric motor. The electro carbo. And he goes, no, don't get on it. And I like looked at him like, fuck off, it's a demo. He's going to get on it. And he's like... The owner's not gonna like that. And it turns out this guy's there as like part of yeah. the display, the demo, and whatever. Right. And he's like, "Don't get on it." 
Like, oh, yeah. And while he's no riding around like a fucking yeah, bear he, on a guy on a Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I rode, I rode a lot of electrical ve- electrical vehicles today, like, and had fun doing it. And put, like, I, I burned up their carpet in their little demo area, and it was fun. <laughs> the Yamaha bikes are kind of fun. Like, they've got a lot of electric things to ride at the same expo. It's, it's kind of it's kind of cool. I so, did get an opportunity to ask Zero why, given that the biggest range killer on the highway is wind resistance, why they hadn't created any aero packages yet. What do you mean? Have you not seen the spy photos? <laughs> no. What? Yeah, I mean, there's spy photos all over the internet. There's I've seen the stuff from uh, L.A. that they make the, the little... I've seen aftermarket Hollywood stuff. Electrics yeah. does a beautiful, a gorgeous fairing for the SR and the DSR and the S. Well, oh, yeah, there's, there's aftermarket it's stuff, gorgeous. but I was wondering why they hadn't done it. No, there's, uh, there's spy photos right now that are leaked to the internet of an SRF oh. with a complete full fairing. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they were just like, yeah, we could, but... Nah. No, no. They're, they're sorry. They were, now, now, you guys were were in the expo. I think starting with you guys, like, what was like the what was the most impressive thing you saw around the thing today? Uh, there really was nothing that blew my skirt up too much. I mean, like it, all the bikes, it's all the same bikes. For me, seeing the new uh, Africa Twin, the adventure sport mm-hmm. with uh, all the, you know. I don't know, just seeing it and be able to sit on it and checking it out. And they did all the farkle. Like, you wanted to. All the they farkle. made a lot of changes. I was very surprised, yeah. you know. The that original Africa Twin next to it was really sexy, too. It was. Well, there's yeah. a story. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy who redoes it, and, it, like, that's all he does. Well, he he also has done a Sandcast 750, mm-hmm. a CB750, but he's a dude. He's on Adventure Rider magazine, and he documents it, but that's what he b- rebuilds those Africa Twins. Like that, that bike had 65,000 miles on it. You know, oh, it shit. It looked brand new. He takes it down to like every bolt and every everything off the bike yeah. and then recolors them. So the motor originally came with like a magnesium look, but they're always worn down. Right. He like powder coats it to the exact. To make it look that magnesium. Yeah. So Emma did an Africa Twin. Yeah. 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 It's fucking You're great. Right. Yeah. That exactly. thing is beautiful. They are beautiful, man. Yeah. And they run good. Everything's brand new when he finishes them. Yeah. And he's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. But that the, was cool. The DCT, I'm not gonna say I had an erection, but like, uh, yeah, yeah. There was a, a motor erection. A motor erection. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. What did you that. like, Dan? <laughs> I think the thing I saw that, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna say it was my favorite bike, but that I most kind of want to take for a ride is that BMW 1800. Oh, the R1800. You know, that is that thing the R1800. Yes. Yeah, there is only one. Yeah, right. Every picture you've seen is that it was that one. Yeah, that it's not a run of concepts. Yeah. It's not part of a I career. Don't what I did he say to That's a priceless motorcycle. No, he said that in, we asked him, you know, like, yeah. is this, and he said that in a few months, they're going to have a version of this available to right. the public. Right. So a version of it. So I may not. have to make a terribly bad financial decision. Oh, they'll get rid of all the good stuff, though. Well. Yeah. The, the, the open fucking shaft on the rear. They'll get rid of that. No, they they, 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 they don't have to get rid of that. Ruin it production. They don't have to get rid of that because Suzuki still has an open shaft on every goddamn Boulevard C50, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. They, like, that's not that's not rarefied earth. They're, they're going to get rid of a lot of the fun stuff, so, like the bar end levers. Oh, see, know. again, that's the, yeah, those are the details that, that yeah. you, you have guys, to leave on that. They thing. will have to give it some ground clearance. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> everything about it was... I know. I it's one it. of those bikes. I love it. It's one of those prototype bikes that when I when I look at that thing, I'm just like, 
later on tonight, when I come back here and lightly murder a security guard, you and I are going out dancing. And it's like, that bike is just... You look at it and you kind of go, wow, I might not be cool enough to ride that. Right, exactly. I I, I told the guy, I'm like, this is what every Craigslist abomination is trying to be. Yeah. Well, yes. You know what I'm saying? The jugs on her. Holy shit. The motor looks impossibly wide because the bike itself is so trim. Yes. Like the motorcycle part is so narrow that the motor itself looks impossibly now, I'm going to tell you guys why yeah. you love it so much. Yeah. Because I'm just starting to come around to a few motorcycles that do the overly technical look. Yeah. Like the um, the XSR 900. Mm-hmm. I really didn't like when it came out. Right. Because I was like, why is it trying so hard? Right. And, I, and now a couple of years have gone by. I'm, I'm warming up to it. But... Uh, the Z900 does this the worst. The yep. motorcycle tries to look more technical than it actually is. Correct. There's bits of the frame that like seem to be trying to like pretend they have some sort of moving mechanical right. function. Well, they're not there, right? Right. right. And they, they, they make an effort to wire, route wires like on the outside of the frame well, to make more sort of MC Geiger like yeah. type things happening in it. HR Geiger. HR guys. Yes. MC Geiger. <laughs> MC Geiger's this rap artist. Yo, what up, though? You're strange on the mic. <laughs> HR Geiger. Uh, right. That's right. And the R18 just goes simple yeah. as possible. Yeah. It's clean. Well, it looks at its old 30s pre-war motorcycles and goes... But it's cleaner than even those could be. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, no, it's not cleaner, but it, it, it hits all those style points yeah. while... Maintaining a little bit of modern, like you well, saw the mono shock in the back, yeah. you know. So okay, there wasn't a lot of clearance, but it just fits the, the bill. The motor, that seat, though, God, the that motor seat looks like, like oh. somebody made it eat an inflatable life raft and pulled the handle. No, no it looks like they like, took a, an R nine hundred and just. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And kept blowing it up. It was. Yeah. It's beautiful. When the R nine T came out, I I saw the prototypes of the R nine T and I went, "Wow, they could build that." And then they did. And they gave it to us pretty well the way it was in prototype. Yeah. And then I looked at the 18, I, I looked at this and I went, hmm, I think they're going to be close on this one. I think this is going to be that rune situation where it's like, they couldn't possibly build a rune. And then they went, thank God they didn't make very many of them. <sighs> oh, again. the rune's awful. Oh, fuck the uh, Again. God damn. Yet, I know people, I know a guy that has over a hundred of them. Oh, they still get twenty grand for those. Yes. Oh, yeah. What and an awful bike. What an awful bike. Yeah, but that's like that's like yeah. You, you'll also get twenty grand for a naked picture of B. Arthur. Yes. <laughs> Just because it's rare and someone will pay money for it doesn't yeah. mean you should desire that's it. Exactly right. Yeah. There's a difference between rare and desirable. Did uh, any of you guys make it over to the Benelli booth at all? Yeah, yeah. we actually discussed yeah. the Benellis. We bit. talked to them a lot last year, and all their offerings this year are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. It is, um, and it's it's one of those ones where, like, I don't want to condemn them to the the Royal Enfield of the last fifteen right. twenty years. Hell, I, the jury's still out. I yeah. really want them to do well. Well, and let's I not really call do. Well, there's any of them Benelli. Let's just call them all SSR. Please do. Right. Just That's get true. rid of Benelli because they in just the bought interest the name. of everybody who's ever fired a shotgun. In the interest of everyone who's ever been like had Italian heritage, we need to admit it. Um, in 2009-ish or 10-ish or whatever, there was a scooter company that was called Andretti. And they made a, 
historically significant race car driver that we are that is a hero to all of us mm-hmm. yeah. they made him go around to the Indy Dealer Expo and a bunch of other events and MotoGP and everything else and this dude had to go out and smile and pose with his signature silk screen on the side of a Chinese fling poo <laughs> right and hey, what he didn't have to again he was used to a certain lifestyle. Wow. <laughs> he still chose to put right. his name on that. Some people choose. He could have had one less trophy truck. Right. And or yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or he could have gotten into I don't know adult exotic dancing or any other thing that people <laughs> sometimes do when they need money in a hurry. But instead, he put his name on the side of a Chinese scooter. Right. And that company came out and was like, "This is." the Andretti, and this is the Benelli, is that same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, let's just admit that that ain't the same thing anymore. So and it is still Italian-designed, but it's just <sighs> Chinese-made. Yeah, uh, but they Not do shit on your point, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm, gonna, I'm also going to say that going in later and buying a building in Italy, just because you have hojillions of dollars... And buying the building, the box that other vehicles were manufactured in, doesn't necessarily give you intellectual property rights for the history of everything that was in that building. True. So I appreciate that they purchased an address in Italy, and I appreciate that there was some tooling left over in the building. That gave more than Polaris did with India. Yes, exactly. You're, you're exactly right. Yeah, it's it's not far out of practice though. We've right. seen it in the industry before. Right. Indian yep. got sold around a bunch of times. Yep. Uh, 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 Triumph has been sold around. Uh, well, Triumph has been sold a around. Property guy who bought a building and got a right. motorcycle right. company yep. for almost. Harley three. Davidson got it sold. Just around. so happened, Ducati's the Triumph story turned out really well. Exactly. Right. Hinkley Triumph is a way better company than Triumph of old ever was. Well, and and uh, as again as one of those deals of, so you want to buy this building? Yeah, I'm a real estate property guy. Of course I want to buy that building. Look at the building, I want to buy right, it. You can't so, blame them so for it. So you asked right. us how the Benelli was, right? because you're the only dealer I've ever known that's yeah. got, that goes to these shows. Right. Was there anything at the show that you would consider, consider picking up for your shop? Yeah, there was. Uh, I am, I'm intrigued at the SSR booth. Like, I, I think that they should, I think the Benelli name is there for the punters only. I think the Benelli name is there for the people who are easily tripped. But the thing is, the bikes that had the Benelli name, yeah. like two in particular, the Adventure 50T, yeah. whatever, right. it's a good looking bike. Oh, it the seems TRK? So. TRK. Mm-hmm. Yep. Apparently right. that is one of the less successful ones. Right. And the 600 right. is kind but of I don't think a they've had silly, it. because the 600 is actually... Yeah. Two of the 300s 200, yeah. welded together <laughs> to make an inline four. So, but here's the thing. And about- Hyosung did that and, and created an abomination yes. that right. now can be had for $1,200. And I tell you, at $1,200, you paid $1,100 too much because those <laughs> things are fucking catastrophic. Now, I did, ride, I did ride the 300. Right. And in my opinion... The Buccaneer? Uh, no, the TNT. The TNT, okay. Certainly not and, a Buccaneer. I would have it over a CBR 300R. Right. Okay. Well, that's the thing yeah. too. I don't. But know I. Why. But I also don't know if it will stand the test of time. Right. 
Because the welds we looked at, the welds on some of the bikes were pretty awful. And you can tell a lot about a company about whose welding robots they're using. And you can tell a lot about a company about how much money they're going to invest in sticking metal together. And when you see a cast part rudimentally welded to a formed part or a rolled part or an extruded part, cast parts are cast parts. They really shouldn't be welded to anything. Cast parts are cast and they are a different structure of metal. Mm -hmm. And it is the joining of them that tends to explode that structure and ruin the bond between the two. So it is usually a pretty quick mark of failure in a welding class to see somebody taking a cast item and trying to join it using heat to a rolled, formed, pressed, welded, constructed item. And there were several incidents of that in that Benelli bike where I was like, I can see why they did it that way because it was the much shorter way around the track to do it that way than it was to like either make this entire piece out of a casting, which would be a very elaborate, expensive casting, well, they're taking a cheap casting and then fusing it to a bent formed item. And that usually doesn't work out so well. Historically speaking, that is where a failure point is. Yeah, and it's always interesting with China because yeah. everyone thinks that everything from China is cheap and garbage. Not at all. And it's not true. Yeah. The Chinese can be very, very good at manufacturing things. Exactly. So that's what the, but right here. Watch this, your iPhone. The, that's proof enough. You know? I can't I mean, remember who I was talking to about it, but somebody explained this to me in that essentially, you know, the Chinese can be competent at absolutely, absolutely everything. Absolutely. And they can excel at it as well. Mm -hmm. But the point to always remember is that the Chinese, the entire Chinese culture and mm -hmm. like moral and ethical and philosophical basis mm -hmm. is not rooted in Christianity like it is in the West. Right. It's based on Confucianism. Right. And it's this completely different universe to what we're all used to. And they do things like they, they think, oh, we can shave an eighth of an inch mm -hmm. off of this particular important structural item right. and we're going to save yeah. the we're going to save the customer right. you know 0.1 cents per unit you got it and they're going to be so happy they're gonna be so happy yeah <laughs> and there is no look to the future of you do the deal today you don't do the deal for tomorrow and right. one of the guys that I used as a mentor in my life said at some point they learned how to count but they didn't learn how to care and that stuck with me because i do see stuff that i deal with enough broken motorcycles and i deal with enough things that broke after 20 years or 30 years or 40 years and then when i deal with things that broke after two years mm. or one year i look and i go like why did it break like why did this thing that's only a year or two old fail why did it why did it break why did it crack where it cracked and then when you do that, you see the point where a decision was made. Right. And that decision is super duper important. BMW had a problem with their, their small displacement, their 310s, right? So they had a problem with the 310s, and the problem with the 310s was the side stands were failing. They were just straight up failing.
failed. Wait a second. Yeah. I haven't heard about this since the Bulex B series. Oh, well. <laughs> this is criminally negligent. Yes. What the right. fuck? Side stands were straight up breaking off. It's more so that the the weight of a rider putting weight on the left peg right. was enough to break the side stands. Right. Someone placed weight on the left stand and brought their right leg. And had somebody actually said, you know, it's your job to put a side stand on this motorcycle. And this guy said, side stands on the motorcycle, mission accomplished. And I did it affordably and I did it quick and it doesn't cost us a lot of money to do that. But had that side stand been on that motorcycle out in the world for even three months, people would have immediately known there was a huge fucking problem there. And But they didn't do that because it was, in essence, is it has to happen now. Let's build for today, not for tomorrow. So we have to build to achieve the goal today because everything is a rush to time. Right. And I get very concerned about that when I see things that I was told when I was younger, don't ever do this because this will fail. And then when I see those things in a motorcycle where if any part fails, I could die. So I'm really, really concerned about that. And when I see, everybody here at the table knows what a grade eight bolt looks like. We all know they have a certain color, they have a certain shape, they have a certain style, they have certain markings on them. But when I see a grade eight marking stamped onto a clearly inferior Velveeta bolt because somebody decided to make an extra stamping to, to make that bolt have a marking on it that would confuse anybody in the world with it being a grade 8 piece of certain hardness of a fastener. Meanwhile, if you put 14 foot-pounds of torque on it, it's going to fail. And when I see that hardware that I have come to acknowledge looking at Fling Foos, and I see that hardware appearing on 600cc motorcycles that can go over 100 miles per hour, I start going, we got a fucking problem here. With your Grim, you knew that you had to replace a lot of things oh, yeah, before you would feel safe on it. Right. I don't want that to be the standard operating procedure. The Grim, was that like a, like a rascal? Like the SSR? No, it's, no, no, it's, no, it's a, it's a Tahoe Hellcat. Okay. So it's yeah, basically a Grim, a, a, a Grom clone, what we call right. it a Grim. Yeah. But yeah, so I got it. It was like a $900 delivered to your door, right. one day sale. A I couldn't, Honda. I couldn't right. But like SSR it. makes a $2,000 Grom clone. Absolutely. Yep. And, and now, now for $900, we're skeptical. Are two, for $2,000, are we willing to go there? Well, not only that, but look at the Benelli. Yeah. That Benelli right. that they had, the, one thir- the TNT 135. Yeah. I sat, I looked at it. That's a solid-looking right. bike. It's fuel-injected. It's yeah. 135 cc's. It doesn't use the typical pit bike motor. It right. has an actual motor. It has a vertical motor. And it's 2600 bucks. Right. And I looked at that, and I was like, that's a good piece of equipment. I know. Right. I was kind of swabbering. That thing was really well put that's together. That's so the races. I mean, their, their main, uh, the main thing they conveyed to us was that we will never have a class killer. Right. We will never yeah. be competitive within a certain CC class. Right. What we will do is we will get you something that will do the job, yep. and it will have the power. It might be yep. 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds heavier. Heavier, right. And this, to me, is just an absolute replay. This is the tape that was made in 19, or I'm sorry, in 2006 that is being replayed from Hyosung. So Hyosung did this exact same operation. They took the venerable G, the venerable Suzuki V-Strom, they took the SV650, and they made a replica of an SV650 because we all were sucking SV's dick. Like, you couldn't find a better bike. Right. And so. they made, right. 
and they made a 250 and they made a 650 and they made a cruiser, a little cruiser, and they made a big cruiser and they made all these Hia Sungs. And Hugh Sungs did all these bikes that were exactly what you said. Yes, it's 40 pounds heavier than SV, but it's 40% less cost or 30% less cost. And it's made in Korea, but we're good enough to build this bike and it's fuel injected. But what happened is once those bikes got out in the world, two things happened. One is they were, the failure rate was a little faster than anybody wanted to talk about. People were buying them because it was the cheaper SV. And then they would take the high sim decals off of it, you know, and they'd be like, yeah, maybe somebody will think it's a, you know, whatever. And they did. And what then happened was the only people that became dealers for it were these guys who were like, they couldn't have the good stuff. So they signed up with Hugh Sung. Do you and, know what they call it in, uh, in Brazil? Yeah. It's the Kalinski. No, Kaczynski. Or Kaczynski? the Kaczynski, yes. Is it really? So... Oh, this is oh, amazing! Uh, a few episodes ago, we did we did, we did a show with um, Larry from Creative Writing. Yeah, we had this yeah. game we play called Made Up Motorcycles. Made Up Motorcycles. And we made so, up a motorcycle. So, so we all think of, <laughs> oh shit! So he he threw out the name Kaczynski. Yeah. Well, my, oh, we, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. No, my theme because we, we, we pick a theme for yeah. our, for the what the names are going to be. Okay. And my name was Serial Bombers. Serial killers. No, serial killers. killers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. Because they so, have name recognition. So me and Junkie start spitballing that yeah. this is going to be a motorcycle, like, you know, a hipster motorcycle or whatever, oh, sold to the Chinese sold to the Chinese public <gasps> as as a uh, as a throwback. But but you know because, but because it's like a like a hipster bike and they're gonna try to sell it to the Chinese whoever they're yeah. gonna give it what they think is a generically white sound. Was that shaft drive? Because it kind of no, looks like an XV920 motor well, configuration. So Hyosung, yeah. it turns out, different yeah. spelling, right. but was selling with a 50-50 partnership with with a with a Brazilian. Because that's how you get because exactly. that's how you avoid the tariffs. Oh yeah, you have to. Uh, uh, Hyosung's oh, under the badge Kaczynski. <laughs> as an aspirational motorcycle oh, for the Brazilian market, and one of them was a hipster throwback bike. That's like amazing! Look at that thing. That thing is fucking amazing. We in in the very early days when the first yeah. Chinese invasion was happening of the 999 scooters, right? We'd said the same thing. We were approached by one of these, you know, usual scumbags, <laughs> and said, "Hey, you know, we're gonna we'll build bikes for you. You just got to order like 122 bikes." And if you order 122 bikes, I'm your bitch, man. What do you want me to do? And uh, we we were joking because we went and they had a completely website-based thing. And it was like, pick what you want. Like, do you want a chain drive on your CVT scooter? Mm -hmm. Like, there were some real, there were some really criminal things that were about to happen. <laughs> and I was like, like things nobody should ever do. Right. right? Like, they would let you go there. Where nobody should ever go and I was like okay let's just do it let's take the lowest column of everything and let's see what it's gonna cost to produce turns out it's two hundred and thirty six dollars so for two hundred and thirty six dollars per unit cost at a 122 which is the lowest number that you're allowed to purchase or most certainly yeah yeah or gross so at that number we could order the bike and then they said once we kind of showed them that the hook was in our mouth and that we were playing along then they said, well, you do know that we have complete art department 
and that we can give you any logo, signage, whatever you want, we'll put your name on it. And I was like, yes, the caveat emptor 50. Because it's a beautiful Italian sounding, Latin sounding name. It's very, very, because all these things are all like, you know, the Pastellini 4000 or whatever. <laughs> and they are all that shit because they all want to be Italian. I was like, let's call it the caveat emptor 50 because then this way, when we get sued, and we will get sued, yeah. the judge is going to look down and go, you bought a thing called the caveat emptor 50? Go home and go home and read. Go home and read. Vedi, vedi, vici. Yeah, vedi, vedi, vici, exactly. And we were joking about it. And then we just saw more and more things that were well beyond that. The level of shittiness. Like that level of being shitty to each other. So we naturally have that sort of like, wow, you're going to have to work extra hard to prove it. Yep. So you know that our shop, our, our thing is like the G400C had to be better than just any other bike right. to get us to approve of it. The, the Royal Alloy mm. had to be so much better than all the other Chinese shit that we were Are playing you selling with. Royal yeah. Well, no, no, we have them. We're not selling them. <laughs> well, that's a true endorsement. I'm going to say, we all ride it. We make everyone ride it. We're having a great time with it, and we do love it. Well, no, that means you will sell it, Phil. Oh, no, I will sell it. No, 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 no. I'll sell it right now. Just nobody's bought one. Nobody's bought one. Oh, okay. Now so I the point is, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with my original statement. Are you selling them? No. <laughs> am I allowed to, and am I an authorized dealer for the product? Yes. Okay. And is it a decent product? It's a great yeah, product. Like, it's so fun. far. It's fun. I, I, I kind of like it. So but far, is it a Lambretta? Okay, now, no, first of all, okay, guys. If just, it was a twist select, you couldn't stop me from buying one. No, that's not true because I lived through Bajaj and I lived through Stella and I lived through all of the people in the world going, well, you know, if you made it. Uh, if you made it a uh, if you made it a twist grip shifter, if you brought a twist grip shifter into America and it was a, a, a two stroke and it had automatic oil injection and it did this, it did that. Oh no, you're that, right. I the would buy it. Public wants twist and go. Just me oh, wants and, twist. And again, oh yes, we there, have, there is nobody who wants uh, twist select who doesn't already have this. These people, these poor bastards at Genuine, and God rest their their souls, Bajaj USA. They they made the mistake of giving they made the mistake of giving America exactly what it asked for. So America said they wanted a thing, and they went to India and they said, "Can you do this thing?" And India went, "We have the technology." <laughs> the Italians left it here, and uh, they did, and they made it exactly what we asked for. And then when they brought it when they brought it in here, they were shocked to find out that we're all fucking degenerate liars. Right. Like we are every single one of us a degenerate liar. I had people that called me and said, "You know." When Genuine makes this bike into a four-stroke, mm. I will buy it. My husband will buy one, too, because we believe in the environment, and we just can't bring ourselves to own a two-stroke. Look, yeah. as Americans, yeah. we are all... Well, I'm not an American, but... Not legally, yeah. Not legally. Exactly. Technically, though. Technically, I'm Technically, American. I'm still a virgin because my butt doesn't count. <laughs> but... Americans in general, super stoked for bikes they want other people to buy. Yes. 
Absolutely. Well, I'll say, look, when it comes to like getting Americans to get into scooters, you know, yeah. you tell a motorcyclist, scooters are pretty cool. Right. And they might even say like, sure, but inside they're thinking, I'm not gay. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. But when you say it, <laughs> exactly. but when you go, but no, it's twist selection. That's like right. saying, there's nothing gay about getting your dick sucked. Right. Even if exactly. it is a dude. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. It still has a clutch. You're not gay. Right. <laughs> it's what it is. They want to have a clutch. And every time somebody gets on a zero, they all reach for the clutch. Mm-hmm. And every time somebody today got on the Africa Twin or got on the Goldwing, they reach for the clutch. I reach for the clutch. They all reach times. for the clutch. Everybody reaches the clutch. I sell zeros. Everybody reaches the clutch. And they all reach for the clutch and they make the same face. Mm. When they reach out, the clutch isn't there and they go, mm. they make the gas face. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want there to be a clutch there? Yeah. Why? Because deep inside I'm insecure about myself and I need a reassurance of having a clutch. Yeah, because you're stuck in an archaic way of thinking, you know? No, but you know what? This this no clutch thing fucks me up because I've made a huge effort to train myself to have scooter brain and motorcycle brain. Right, okay. Because you can fuck yourself up if you don't have the right brain on and you jump on the other bike, right? right? Yeah. So now I can jump on my my Super Tenray and I'm like, clutch thing, got it. I look at the scooter, jump on it, no clutch. This front brake over here, whatever, right? So when I jumped on the Africa Twin today, my brain was in motorcycle mode. I'm like, fuck, what? what, Question. yeah. At what age did you learn how to drive a clutch-operated vehicle? Like two. Okay. That was a, a grass cutter at four. Like that. So at what age did you secretly, inside your brain, think less of somebody that did not know how to drive stick? Oh, I don't care about that at all. No, no. It happened. I'm oh, sure you, we're all humans here. No, you see, see, for me, at least, it was teach that person what a clutch does. Oh, okay. And teach yeah. that person. Yeah. You know but what I mean? the point being, we've all felt like mastery of a clutch has mm-hmm. made us somehow more superior than the person that did not have mastery of the clutch. So, so they Phil, do I've got call a satisfying it. answer for Yes, you. please. Because Steve really didn't give you one. Which is his fault, but I know, what the, I know the answer you're looking for. The answer is, when I was 19, right. I had a girlfriend that had a manual yeah. car, and she refused to give me a blowjob until I learned to drive her <sighs> manual car. Oh, that's so a good 19 answer. was that age. You're right, that was totally satisfying. Okay, yeah. welcome. My wife drives exclusively <laughs> stick shift cars, and she looks down at people who don't drive stick shift cars. Well, they do call it, they, they, they say, what is a stick shift? And it's like, what? It's like the perfect anti-theft device for millennials, because exactly. nobody can fucking drive And it. when we were in Europe, and they were like, well, I'm sorry, sir, we're all out of rental cars, and you're clearly an American, so... We're all out of rental cars. All we have left are manual transmissions. Mm. And I was like, well, then I'll be having one of those then, won't I? And, <laughs> and again, I was like, you are not out of ro- rental cars. You made an assumption that as an American, I can only drive an automatic. Right. And in so many cultures, the automatic was reserved for the women or yeah, the weak or, or the whatever. Like, that's really the dude not getting blowjobs. I really want a blowjob. And it's true. And when we went to bullshit, like when Merritt and I took that train across America and we went up to the Pacific Northwest and we were in Portland in a blizzard, ice storm. And they were like, I'm sorry, we're just out of rental cars because they're all broken and in ditches. They've all crashed. Mm. So we'd love to give you a rental car right now. You did reserve one. But we are out of rental cars except for that yellow Camaro with a six feet. Hmm. And I went, Wow, that is just the kind of fuck you to Portland I need in my life. Right. A yellow Camaro with a six-speed. 
Okay, I need to derail this because there's yeah, something here at the AIM Expo. We're talking about things that you should pick up in your store. Two things, mm -hmm. one vastly more important than the other. So we'll yes. start with that one. Why don't you sell Stasic bikes? What do you mean? The little, the little... The kids' electric things? Bikes. Yeah, yeah. 500 bucks. Is there anything more important we could be doing for the motorcycle community? I am real. It, yeah. it might be Christmas, yeah. but within the next year, yeah. both my kids are going to have That's fucking bikes brilliant. Because you can take them to skate parks. <gasps> and that's a great fucking gateway drug. I mean, seriously, giving a kid an electric, isn't it powered by like a cordless drill battery or something? Yes. Yes. <gasps> it literally is just, it, it is a repainted. Milwaukee battery, DeWalt battery. If you were willing to do the research, you could probably find the drill battery you could buy for cheaper, break off some of the plastic bits right, right, that let yeah. you put it into the right charger and be off for like $100 cheaper even. I know, they did a, they did a demo at our last, uh, IMS show, oh, yeah, and yeah. they were just the kids were just having a blast. And I, I never was, even thought about that, but you bring up an excellent point. I was trying to point. figure out how I could get my kids into these until I came up with the skate park angle. And then I was talking to the day we interviewed them, and they're like, "Oh yeah, these things blow up at skate parks." And I was like, <gasps> "No fuck shit. yes, there's so many." Close I was to my actually house. only I was politically against it because of the lazification of America, you know, like the whole like I was I was not too good for pedals, therefore my kid will have pedals too. Like I don't want to, I don't want to take my kid and make my kid reliant upon. No, it's not. It's not. A, it's not a lazy yeah. person's bicycle. It's a much more awesome power. Right. Right. And it right. is like the idea of the striders and everything that. Became the other thing to keep in mind is that you know. And you're building motorcyclists. Right. Right. Well, especially because most kids today yeah. learn how to ride on a tricycle or on a on a bike with trainers. Yes. Yeah. And that teaches them. That teaches them <sighs> yeah. to fucking go it ham on it. the handlebars. Well, they learn on the glider. But too. now yeah. they, the before they even learn to pedal, yeah. you can put a three-year-old on Stasic, and they learn and throttle the control wheels. before they start yeah. just going ham on the, the training wheels. Are bullshit. I mean, let's yep. all admit it. Like any of us who ever had training wheels knew that that was just a fucking skin knee, broken elbow, and bad nose to. Wait oh, it didn't work yeah. for my son. I, I oh. couldn't get him to get it. I just had yeah. to take them off and just right. let him just, just suffer. Let him fucking suck it up. You just had to fail a thousand yeah. times. Right. Right. Because training wheels, it turns out they're not just a bad idea on a Harley or a scooter. Like, <laughs> it turns out the Wait, tow pack no. isn't or, just a bad idea for you. Or the Kawasaki's where they literally are training wheels where yeah. they retain the back wheel of yeah. the motorcycle so it's three in the back and one in the front. That is every tow pack. Like... If you want to know what the shade of my hell has looked like for the past several weeks, there is a woman for whom we took a 70th anniversary Vespa GTS, which is no slouch. This is a straight up amazing motorcycle. Does she live in Manor? Green? Yes, she lives in Manor. I rode next to her so many yeah. times going to lunch. So she managed to she managed to have a relationship with a much older gentleman, and this much older gentleman who has copious amounts of cash was like, I want to ride a Vespa. And she's like, and she's like, shocking. Okay, I'll, I'll suck your dick. You know? And he was like, but I can't, you know, I'm too ancient and feeble to hold up a Vespa. And she's like, it's okay. If you have money, you can fix problems like that. And so they came in and they were like, yeah, we need a tow pack. And a tow pack is this thing made in Chicago, or made outside of Chicago, that is basically tricycle 
It's training, training wheels. wheels. It's not a trike. Right. It's, it's training, training wheels. Yeah, it's are four wheels. Little eight inch or ten inch or twelve inch trailer tires that are mounted to a frame that is bolted to whatever part of your bike they can find to bolt it to, so that if you stop being vertical, you don't start being horizontal. And I'm only okay with this concept yeah. if I am fully recumbent. And and again, <laughs> you should be. And operating the handlebars with my feet. Well, like, to give you an idea. Outside of that, this is not okay. At so, what point should you just buy a Roadster automobile? Exactly. Buy a Miata. Right. Okay. Or the Vanderhall. At least a yeah. Vanderhall. Yeah. At least a Vanderhall. And the, exactly. Never the slingshot. Right. And the thing yeah. about, and the thing about this thing is that if you're in traffic or you're driving somewhere behind her, because I have now several times. Yeah. You don't see these fucking things. Yeah. So if you think you're going to pull the old, oh, okay, there's a scooter here and a car right. here, and you're going to go, you're yeah. like, oh, fuck, what is that? And it's all of a sudden there's like a wheel in front of you. She's as wise as a Honda Civic. So I I it's a like term. a tank trap in the road. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'd like to coin a term real quick. If it has two wheels in the front right. and one in the rear, right. it's a shocker. It's a shocker? That's that's the name of the, the style of bike. It's a shocker. Yeah. Can-Am, it's a shocker. Yeah. Two in the front, one in the yeah. rear. Yeah, yeah. Two M3, it's a shocker. It's a shocker. The, the Nikon, it's a shocker. Yeah, I'm sick of the term reverse trike. No, it's yeah, a shocker. It's not. It's, it's not a shocker. A it is two, let's it is, all just call it, it a shocker. It is two in the paint, one in the stink. It is. Two in the front, one in the belt. One in the belt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not a trike. A trike's one in the front. Let, let it be around. written. Let it be so. One of the, yeah. one of the yeah. funniest, most that. subtle You're jokes. Here. It happened here. It happened today. Shocker. Yeah, very nice. Um, one of the... So say it all. Exactly. Oh, we, also, <laughs> we, we coined another term recently while we're on it. Yes. Harley guys that don't want to wear gear. Right. Squid billies. Like nice. That. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. But back to yeah. So you always you you've you've been on a, on a tear uh, the last yeah. six months or so, complaining about how when you're carrying uh, a particular line of bike, you have to carry yeah. the whole line. Yes, of the bike. absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. So why not stay six? You have to have like four, <laughs> and you can steal them all at the same time. No, I was being facetious, but you're right. You're right. Like that what is could a, it hurt? No, the and that's minimum a really, investment to make the maximum impact. It is, and and I will dive into that because and you're kind of becoming the electric guy around. I inadvertently. Right, and is it that far off from the the misfits like new mini bikes that they're fucking around? Well, on? you again, know what I mean. Like anything that just comes seems from like bang silly good is not going to end up in my bedroom <laughs> or in my shop. The, uh, yeah, because if they don't know enough to to know how to bang well. I will buy Bangwell. No, no, I will no, not buy Bangwell. They got the mini bikes <laughs> off of Amazon. Again. And I know one's been stolen thus far, but yeah, that's just Liza's yeah, mini bikes. Knowing Liza, not as well as some people here, but to some yeah. degree, they were obtained from the sketchiest possible Chinese source of <laughs> Yes, they were probably, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of uh, yeah. another like electric vehicle you could carry that doesn't require a lot of inventory, mm -hmm. Upco. So I really got to take a good close look at those today. And I'm glad that we had the discussion that we did yesterday about your experience with uh, sporty scooters in Denver. Mm -hmm. Colin Shattuck. Shattuck Colin. Shattuck Colin, let me rock you up. It was actually Shattuck sporty Colin. scooters in Boulder. It was Boulder, okay. So yeah, so there you go. You're still in the, you're still in the sure. Shattuck family, right? <laughs> exactly. Right, we're still gonna keep it in the family at that point. But yeah, like that Upco, I got to look at that today. I got to spend some time with it. Holy shit, is that a good bike? What build? Yeah. Fit and finish. And you can just better. throw a 300-pound deer across <laughs> the back of it. It is 
truck it out of the woods. It is a Rokon trailbreaker. It is a Rokon trailbreaker for people who actually want to arrive at their destination. Right. Because a Rokon trailbreaker will murder you at 13 miles an hour. Like, the whole idea behind a Rokon is like front wheel drive, rear wheel drive through the worst possible means necessary. Where that Upco, Upco is perfect. Yes. Like, it's genius. So what? What's the price on that? What's that going to set you back? Seven, seven and a half. Uh, the uh, if you buy, I think the twenty eighteen was six thousand right. and change. Yeah. So the problem with that is that that is exactly the same money you would spend to buy a five hundred to seven hundred fifty cc motorcycle. But, yeah, that's apples and oranges. Hold on, it hold is, on, it is. hold on. Right. What you have to realize. Right. Is that it's you cannot compare it to a gas bike. Oh no, it's playing a different game. Absolutely, it's in a different yeah, you're paying lane. a lot up front right. for what you would pay on yeah. a motorcycle later on. Well, it, you don't have to pay the maintenance. You're yeah. paying much less to fuel it. But that's not even really the point. Right. The point is you buy it because you're using it for exclude not right. exclusively, but things like. When you're hunting, oh, absolutely. you use it because it's a great work vehicle right. for an oil field, it is a or a ski land. resort, or a park ranger, they, or a yeah. farmer. It's not for. Did Peter your tell commutes. you he immediately tried to crash the bike <laughs> when I had put literally two miles on it? And, I did, and spent no small amount of money. Yes, <laughs> to do that. no small. Amount. That would be like somebody going like. I'd really like to fuck your Tesla up the ass. Can yeah. I have the keys to your Tesla? Did you just put it in ludicrous mode? Yeah. I'm the guy. Right? Let me drive. Let me ride your Tesla. I, I right. did the Ubco version of someone driving someone else's Tesla at yeah. a wall to test the automatic braking. <laughs> I so it had just snowed a lot in yeah. Denver after Swiggy got this Ubco, and the parking lot was frozen over. Yeah. And I just immediately headed for the biggest ice patch I could see and just jammed the throttle and the brakes at the same time. And it wouldn't <laughs> crash. The, the two-wheel drive is great. It just like got whatever grip it could on either wheel and just was like, and no, we're just going to keep going. When and then I tried to jump like icy curbs with it and yeah. did. And those were riding around medians and on grass and through people's yards and whatever. And like I was like, this is great. When Swiggy read me, the buy sheet, which he did. He's like, if you have farms, if you have a ranch, yep. if you got to go out and, and kill a deer and bring it back, what he did was almost verbatim. If you look up the Honda Trail 90 or Trail 110 advertising bulletin from like 1976 or 1978, it says exactly what you just said. Yes. It's a ranch vehicle. It, 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 it can go out and run your fence line. It gets a hunter's best friend because it's quiet. So all these things are still relevant. Yeah. So and Honda's teasing another CT. Well, of course. Honda's teasing, let's take the Grom engine and put it into the CT box. Well, not only that, if, if you, you throw have a farmer. a Cub, you have a CT. Well, so if you did the Cub and you didn't do the CT, that would be like, right. Oh. Right. so yeah. yeah. Well, the main thing is that the other really big benefit, especially if you're managing like 100 acres yeah. of farmland, yeah. is... You can now do everything you could do before mm -hmm. on a vehicle that's lighter than a two-stroke, oh, yeah. and you don't have 90 to 100 decibels of no. noise going non-stop as you're crossing mm -hmm. your property. It is the perfect application for the vehicle that somebody else has paid for. 
It is the perfect application for like, I work on this ranch where we have 3,000 acres and 5,000 head of whatever, and this is the thing that they've provided me with to go do my job. Yes. And so there's a weird thing that happens. I have no small amount of experience talking to what I like to call risk-averse, purchased-averse dick faces. <laughs> and have a Let me ask you 95 questions about this thing I don't plan on purchasing. Exactly. Bill. I have a problem for every solution. I got more time than I have. So we tried it. We way. tried it with a yes. really, really well engineered product electric bike, electric motorcycle, electric scooter, electric mo uh, bicycle that could do a lot of things. And it was powerful, and it was great, and it was fast, and it was thrilling, and it was enjoyable but it was $3,200. And what I could tell you is, in my particular shithole, we couldn't get anyone to buy a $3,200 bicycle that managed to surf through all of the legislation about me going out to my garage, opening the garage door, getting on a thing that I could pedal along with and get some sort of resembling exercise and still get to work in less than 45 minutes without cracking a real sweat just enough to make me smell good and sexy but not enough to actually make me smell offensive yeah and show up at work feeling like I'd done something and according to my you know my meter I had burned calories I'd done a healthy thing for 45 minutes meanwhile I was pedaling like I was being like 20% of the thing it was being like 80% of the thing but we were hauling and like 32 miles an hour I'm like it's, it's fast that's something I don't understand. Like yeah. with the with the mopeds, if they can go fully powered mm -hmm. as opposed to yeah. just pedal, pedal assist, assist right. it's great because you can just start exercising. You say, "Yeah, I'm gonna ride to work today," right. and then you get halfway and you're like, "Okay, fuck this, fuck this." <laughs> yeah, and the ones that we you just like, I'm gonna exercise until I'm. But again, that's Dumb. vastly different. The one that we had, Craig, was switching. Did you side. talk to Tim, like the, the, the founder CEO of Upco? What my whole thing is, yes. Tim you, Allen. Tim yeah, Allen. No. Tim no, Allen that used to be a no relation. And then of horrible comedies. I, I walked up to him and, and he, I saw his badge and I was like, I'm not even going to do it. And you know that somebody walks up to him and does some stupid yeah. 40 times a day. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to totally ignore the fact that his name is Tim Allen. So I'm just going to fuck that. Well, you should have talked to him because he's he just brain dumps. No, no, everything. I you spoke should. with him. You should have. Oh, okay. In my speaking with and him, covered the bottom of your mouth. I was going to say I was going to stand on his mouth so he'd respect me. But looked at him from the mobile warming yeah. booth across the way. <laughs> what I what I believe is he's got a fantastic product and he's really done his research and he's making a beautiful, expensive, and worth every penny thing. Yes. The problem is, like everything that is beautiful and does its job perfectly. And is worth every penny. It is too much for the average Walmart-based com consumer, which is ninety-five percent of the people I run. Well, I don't know. But you say that yeah. people said that about the monkey bike and the super cub, but no, who said Cleveland... that about the monkey bike and the super cub? Who what? said that? Everybody. What? Everybody. Who said that thirty-four ninety-nine was too much? Money? Nobody at Cleveland Moto said that, but the world was like. Who wants this thing that's like powered like a Grom, but isn't a Grom, but it's like, what if I could get a real used bike? Like what? Yet, 
There's Cleveland plenty of places Moto having has trouble selling hard them. throbbing cocks for the Super Cub right, and the right, monkey bike, right? right? Yeah. But thirty four ninety nine for a bike that goes sixty some miles per hour and goes one hundred and sixty miles on a tank of very small tank of gas is actually still a very long way away from something that goes thirty miles an hour and does it for you know fifty miles or sixty miles. And plus, they had the, right. like Honda had the the bonerific factor that's at least a thousand dollars. So if they didn't look like the monkey and they didn't look right. like the cub and they were just some new looking thing, like, like the Grom had to be accepted and it got accepted by stunners and kids and yeah. things. Like gotcha. there's not a lot of like the, the, the Grom is such a phenomenal yes, success. It is. it is. The Grom is only what five years old. Yeah. yeah. We feel like it's been around for thirty. Yeah. Like right. it is. It in, it revitalized. It didn't invent, but it like reinvent. It it's, rebooted an entire category of, of motorcycles. Yeah. It's nuts. and it's like a nine to one compression yeah. two valve complete. But, but oh, yeah. total nonsense. Again, it's it a, is absolutely sizzle, no steak. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but as a person, like not me, but like or you guys or anybody like that, but like the reason that Grabs got really popular, you have a kid that's like, I have three thousand bucks, right. and I'm, I don't I haven't ridden before, what? and I can't. Okay. First 3, of all, no, no child, not a kid, <laughs> no, 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 not a kid, but whatever. If I my have, kids have three thousand dollars, I'm going through their fucking roof. Right? No, <laughs> sorry, yeah, yeah. no, you know, okay. I have. Um, I, I forgot about millennial. So millennial, I have three thousand dollars. I have three thousand dollars of available credit. How's that? Because that's what most kids just think of credit stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So I can either try to get a loan and buy this shitty bike that I don't know anything about that's a hundred years old and yeah. might run or whatever, or yeah. I get this little fucking thing that like is great. Did they nail it? Every Grom in Cleveland is piloted by a forty-year-old. Well, yeah. Well, no, I've seen Grom gangs. There's Grom gangs at twenty-something. Look, it, it doesn't matter why. Yeah. It doesn't matter why. We should be thankful run. it was right. a hit because it's a gateway drug. Yeah, it's a it thing. Is. It's yeah. it's it's all it's it's many things. It's nothing but good. Right. It's nothing but good. Yeah. Even if you disapprove of it and the hooliganism, right. and, whatever, it's nothing but good. And it's really fun to watch what it spawned, which is the guys that are um, just hell bent on getting Groms to go 150 miles an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're putting like the CBR 300, 300 motors and stuff and everything. So These weird. are the same guys that stretch their ruckuses and try yeah. to get them to go if 60 I miles an hour. Just look for just search Grom yeah. and price range. Yeah. Over five thousand dollars. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Look at the There's find the guy who has the tuned yeah, the Gramabusa. Who is yeah. he's got it up to fourteen. Okay. I, I gotta know. I gotta stretch his stretch. What what did everyone walk around the show and look at and well, hold on. Wait, no, no. Yeah. Sorry, no. I'm, we'll we'll put that for later if we even have time for something else. Guys, there was a functioning wildfire at this show. Yeah. That they still wouldn't let anyone. No, they wouldn't let it. And I and again, I would I would like to remind you, as I reminded the people in that booth, that I have been promised to ride on this machine for not less than three Wait, years. Did you get on it and hit the throttle and hear how good it sounds, bro? Ah, boy. Okay, first off, look, was you ride I sat there beautiful cordless drill? I sat there and watched two or My three people heavy air quotes test ride right. what Phil would call a, yet another captive Harley Davidson. Yes, it was a Harley Davidson is extreme bondage. Extreme bondage. Yeah. Ball gag in mouth. Yeah. So the, they've got this poor live wire strapped Literally down. Fucking strapped down. Disrespectful to anybody. 
And then they they get people like uh, people who obviously don't know shit about fuck. I like to call them extremely gullible humans. Right, yeah. getting on this motorcycle now. Of course, yeah, it is one of the coolest looking motorcycles right. of all time. Absolutely, we, on that we all agree. Absolutely. Now, it's fine. It looks almost as good as you guys. You guys didn't do test rides. But you know the black little Harley Davidson identification card we all got from doing test rides. Did you know that card was required to get on the to to get on? They had to scan your ID to get on it, as if you were taking a real test ride. As though you were leaving the building. And Not just like, strap how down, can we simulate down. this experience even more? Right. Not only in... are you not actually on a motorcycle which is touching the ground, right. it's just touching a dyno can... instead, we are going to make sure that we check your credentials first because you're about to operate heavy machinery, brother. I what the it. fuck? Can we talk about this the signature sound, yeah, too? It, it, I recorded a... one oh, minute Jesus. of the signature sound. And this is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Cordless and I'm, drill. And yes. I'm going to play it for people. It's not that the sound was an especially obnoxious sound, but it is an artificial sound. Right. And when people hear this sound on our next episode, when mm-hmm. I play it back... I want everyone to know that I'm going to... I'm not going to adjust like the decimal no. level on the recording... When it's doing, and, and the person I was wa- I was watching the speedo right. while they were wrapping yep. this bike, and the sound, and the bike never exceeded fifty four miles right. per hour, and the sound sounds like the bike is about to explode. Yes, it does. Yeah, the it is way over okay. the top. So, so you think that things are on overload? Yeah. 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 All right. Do you think they're missing the mark? Because Don't here's the thing: that. with an electric bike, when you get on a fucking zero and you're fucking going 50 miles an hour and there's nothing coming out of it, right. it's an experience, and yeah. it gives you a fucking face grip so like you've never like, seen before. It's like, but you need to sound badass right. when you're cruising at 30 miles an hour down that main street. <sighs> if you watch uh, the first or second round of the Moto E racing yeah. class this mm-hmm. year. Yep. The commentators are falling all over themselves to try to play up and make a dig, exactly. big deal about the sound. Right. Meanwhile, me and Sweetie were yelling at the TV. Right. Why the just fuck shut are the you fuck talking? Up. Shut, yeah, don't um, even talk about yeah, it. Right. Yeah, just stop. Yeah. Just let me watch the race. Just right. the, the the ambient sound will be filled up. Just put some microphones next to the track or on the bikes and just let it be naturally filled. Yep. And hey, maybe like a basketball game where here the crowd come in and whatever. Yeah. The well, ambient all, sound. All sorts of cool shit like you. You can hear every time the tires break traction. Absolutely. <laughs> and well, the braking. Awesome. You can hear the braking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All that. Like every time the tires skid. I never yeah. knew, until I drove Zero, I never knew what the sound of a motorcycle tire failing, like leaving, losing traction, was. Yeah. Once static traction is broken. I had like, no idea that it had a signature noise. I didn't know this, because every motorcycle I've ever ridden that could break traction also came with an auditory signature that was louder than that. It's awesome. Yeah. And the first time I was riding a Zero, and the bike made that noise. You are like, what? And I was like, and then I learned, that's a noise I should pay attention to. Right. And then when I could hear that noise happening, it's like the a person who's ridden two strokes for a very long time. You're like, did I drop some pennies on the... Ding, 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 yeah, did I drop some pennies on the floorboard? You know, like, do I have a loose wallet chain? Like, what's going on? And it's just... This, and it starts as this, like... Ding, 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 ding. 
ching, ching. And you're like, I think my wallet chain's hitting the gas it's tank. It's running real good, too. And you're like, huh, weird. Ching, 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 ching. Now, it's usually followed by, right, and then it's too late. Yeah. I need to take this moment to say a lot of harsh things have been said about the Harley Davidson Livewire. Right. And some of them deserved and some not. Right. Now, you still have to give it to Harley for mm-hmm. being the first major manufacturer to make a large effort because it's still not here. Like, weirdly enough, even if though it's we've one seen it's all on, there is, despite its August well, release date, there's at least four. I was going to say, because they the want to aim, and, and Charlie and you yep, have three. I don't know how many of those came there. back. Let's only say there's one. Well, okay, but anyway, we, there are some in existence, right, yeah. and they claim <laughs> to be right. just about to be taking pre-orders for them. So, it's it's at least as close as a major manufacturer has ever Your come to really doing Your duck is even more succulent it. than it was five minutes ago. This duck is so succulent. You, yeah. you can hate, you can also hate on it too because it's yeah. not actually the first major manufacturer yeah. to put out a fully no. electric motorcycle because Bramo Victory Impulse was yeah. a failure, but it was a failure that had to happen for us to make progress. But whatever. So it's Harley; it's their electric right. bike, and. I don't know to what degree they're really trying, right. but whatever it, it will, it's almost certainly guaranteed. Well, I don't know, but it's most likely to actually <laughs> be sold to people, and at some point, someone be someone who hasn't been on TV will get to write it. But <laughs> okay, this let's is most, call it what it is. It's paperwork. This is the most point. important Come question on. though Look, about this bike. Wait, hold uh, on. The just, most important just quick question. Check. What are we at time wise? Here. Is oh, this too long? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a long. We're, one. we're two hours. Okay, okay. this is an important we, we question. We got ten minutes to yeah. wrap it up. All right, important yeah. question. All right, first electric Harley Davidson. What does the person look like that's buying it and riding it? Are they wearing Jay dot approved no, headbands, same fucking leather, or since it's high tech, are Let's, they coming in with something else? This is my thing. They've got split out Harley and Davidson. <laughs> this is actually okay. So everyone's like, I'm a Harley, my Harley. That's fine. Electric should be Davidson. Davidson. Well, that is a good I'm riding a Davidson. Yeah. Well, is it a what you got there, brother? No, it's a no, this is Curtis. Davidson. Curtis. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's a kinder, split it's a kinder the gentleman. brand because right. they split themselves. Right. They've already right. branded themselves yeah. as yeah. Harley Ride. I'd like to have a... Let them brand themselves as a Davidson Ride. And he's you know wearing a DOT-approved headband. This is true. So I was going to say that everyone wants to... Many people want to dislike the Livewire. Right. Okay, I'm not the biggest battery technology and financial and, 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 and cost right. expert and, and putting putting products to market is a very complicated thing. Sure. And industrial design, there's a whole art to it. Yeah. You know, it's like, why do we like things like the CP350? It wasn't right. the most impressive machine ever, but something that delivered a worthwhile experience to a large amount of people for a very reasonable cost. Volkswagen Everyone at this, and the Volkswagen Beetle, everyone at this table sees the beauty in yeah. that, right? Exactly. And to a do that on a totally new platform of electric by someone like Harley Davidson is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So the the Harley, even though it's nowhere near as close to good as the numbers on the Zero SRF, is probably a little cooler than we want to admit. But it is significantly flawed. Now, the only thing is, is that as difficult as all this is and as cool as the bike looks, when I hear that noise, all I hear is Harley Davidson's insecurity. 
Me too. Mm. Yeah. And, 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 and in that insecurity, I feel their hesitation to roll this bike out. I feel like they could have already done it, but they're worried so, about the timing mm -hmm. and the right time to hit the market. Yeah. And it's like, just do it. You've already this lost. Is, this you is have to do it. On, right. This is where I fall on either side. And I don't know how to make my mind up, which is the model for electric vehicles has been perfected immediately by Tesla. Absolutely. Which is you start out early on yep. and you you get a bunch of investors on board and right. you say we're not going to make a profit for like 15 yeah. years. Mm -hmm. And you say we're going to take an existing chassis, yeah. we're going to put some batteries, we're going to source right. some motor and we're going to put it in it and we're going to mm -hmm. see Who's dumb enough to buy this? And then we say, okay. You well, are my beta is, testers. Yeah. And you say, we're going to sell it for $150,000. Right. Yeah. And you say, well, that was a disaster, right. which we expected. Right. So how can we unfuck this situation? Yeah. And then you work from there. And you say, we've well, got this pool of, you know, $500 million that right. we will eventually dig ourselves out of. Right. And then you work your way up and you create kind of a, a fairly fancy sports car. Mm -hmm. And then you say, okay, now we're pulling the trigger. We've got it figured out. Yep. We're going to make a mass market car exactly. for $30,000. Exactly. Something you and, can afford. And then we're going right. to go nuts with it. Right. Does anybody here, so this is a dumb thing. This is just semantics at this point. But we all can think of at least... 10 humans that really enjoy shitting on a live wire, right? Yes. It's an easy bike yeah. to shit on, right? Can we think of one human who really, really wants to buy it? The only one I can think of is I've never met, and it's Cam on your show. Okay, but here's my point. And, and or maybe Electric Terry? Okay, but this is your, well, this is so my example. You're aiming for like the point one percent. This is my thought experiment. If I was Keanu Reeves rich, right. I would desperately want one. So, yeah. but because I value my money, I right? Don't. My thought experiment for this, my sociology experiment for this is, we can all identify at least ten, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if we really tried, we could probably identify twenty or twenty-five or thirty or whatever. Because it's very, very hard to find somebody who's like, you guys all suck, and I'm going to buy one the day they come out. And I have to, at this point, conjure up, if you can imagine, being in my shop, where, again, we run into people who are risk-averse, purchase-averse, and are doing everything they can to not make a purchase in my shop. Well, the term you're looking for is early adopter. Well, because this is a piece right. of electronics. So this I'm an early SRF. adopter. So I've got this shop, and we sell things. And of the things we sell, we sell what is widely heralded as being one of the best electric motorcycles to be produced to this day. And I would expect that a lot of people in my shop would be like, hold on, sir, your magic's not going to work on me because I'm not going to buy this product. I'm not here to actually spend any money with you today, sir. No, not at all. I'm holding on my money to see what happens with that Harley Davidson because, my God, that's where my heart lies. I'm going to buy an American product made in America with a bar and shield on it because this fucking foreign goddamn made in California by a bunch of liberals trickery is not going to work on me. I'm a real red hat wearing American, and God damn it, I'm going to buy a Harley Davidson as a way to protect themselves 
from following through with a purchase. Because this happens a lot in modern purchasing. You want to be treated like a customer. You want the girlfriend experience. But you don't want to actually have to follow through and deliver on the goods. You want to feel good about yourself today. You want somebody to treat you like a good cash paying customer. But you want to have that like, well, I'd buy this today right now, sir, if it was a four-door Corvette. Well, sir, they don't make a four-door Corvette. And that's why I can spend the next two hours to you talking to you about the Corvette my grandfather once saw in a parking lot or whatever. He can remain a customer because he's given you an impossible sales situation. Well, Harley Davidson, I haven't had that experience yet. I haven't had a customer come in and say, you know what, I'll come in and maybe buy a Zero once I try the Harley and discover that the Zero is actually a better product for me personally. Because despite the hundreds of demo drives we've done, nobody has said, I'll be back after I find out for myself how good or bad the Harley is. It's because it's a moot point. This is the weird No thing. one's fucking tried the Harley. It's a moot point. No one can come in and say, I've tried the Harley, and I'm, now let me try the SRF. No one can say that. Right. It's still this unknown. So it's vaporware. The basis of people coming in and not buying things right. is purely because they just don't have the money to buy it. No, it's not. No. You don't think no. so? Oh, no, I have people no, driving in Bentleys all day long. I have people that come into my shop well-heeled as a motherfucker. I had a guy the other day. Well, this is, this yeah. is the retarded thing that yeah. every person does, which is it's pure purchase anxiety. Paralysis by analysis. Right. right. Because yeah. you know, if you were born, if you just could see to the present day, yeah. 40 years ago, you'd be like, why would I buy a one megahertz computer? Like, <laughs> right. I'd exactly. be a dumbass. What dumbass what's coming down, yeah. the, down the pipe. Right. right. Like, Nobody can make the analysis to say yeah. this is good value now. Right. And ten years from now, you're going to be thrilled you made this purchase because everyone's like, "Oh, well, I'm going to buy an electric bike today, yeah. and it's got a seventy mile range. Yeah. And if I waited two years, right. a one hundred and eighty mile exactly. bike will come along. You got it. I'm going to be so sad." Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be such a sucker. Right. Yeah. And in their like, defense, everyone that bought an impulse became sad. Right. <laughs> that is true. That's why it's the worst bike in the world because right. it created a stigma that we're right. still fighting. Yes. Yeah, it did. And we are in a culture where that technology moves so fucking fast that, like, I don't go for cutting edge on my laptop. I go for Lenovo ThinkPad because I know that I can drop it from a very tall building. And yet it will mm-hmm. still function for me as... Or you can just well, replace it without this, having this to sell it This is a particular candy. thing yeah, that sure. we do need to address yeah. with electric bikes, which yeah. is with gas-powered bikes, yeah. everyone assumes that the mileage is, mm-hmm. if you're running economically, yeah. is 5 to 10 miles above what the manufacturer Excellent says. Point. And with electric, everyone assumes less. 10 to 20% less. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. Because for every Steve Hoffert that can get 103 miles out of an FXS, where we tell people in the shop, I tell people, like, well, like, how far can the FXS go? I'm like, well, it's a 7.2 battery. Realistically, 7.2 times 10, 72 miles of range, is pretty much average for, like, mixed use. I don't oversell it. Hoffert comes back, and he's like, I got 103. And I'm like, 
Okay, but all of my customers are getting 50 or I'm 42. I'm going to accept the Steve Hoffer challenge. Phil, if you can supply yeah. me with the zero FX, I will beat that record. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's a lot you have to do, though, to live up to a Hoffer. Yeah, like and there you, is true. you got to shovel wear, shit and it, too. Yeah. And if you wear pants... Even in right. what February Negative or something, three, you can yeah. never well, do it. It just doesn't. He doesn't wear pants. Yeah, you know, veil to well, the Denver so I don't wear shorts, is at okay. least forty miles. It is a very so that's that's right. free. That's free mileage. Right and he there. also has he also has the ability to like he'll literally I've watched him come in like he'll roll the throttle on yeah. so slowly. Yeah. He's the guy that like he doesn't mind well, if hundred and fifty people are beating him. At he is getting miles. <laughs> uh, so here we are at Shrine Pass. We're trying to pass, and we're gonna we're gonna coast all the way down to Kansas. Kansas. Genesis <laughs> Brady, let's go! Come you know on. what? Well, there used to be a problem. I don't know if you guys know this, but there used to be an actual problem with zeros, where if you had a zero and you lived at the top of a hill, and you charged your zero up to a hundred percent, and then you went down the hill on the regenerative oh. power manufacturing. You could actually fucking create a problem for the bike because what's full can't be full more. That's, that sounds like a plasma ball in the making. Okay, so it there sounds were, like another challenge. And there were, there were problems that some of the original Zeros had because they did not have any sort of way to say, stop regenerating, you idiot. You've reached 100%. Well, it should be telling me it sucked. Well, again, they fixed that, clearly, because they've been around for, you know, a long time now. Did Hoffers have that problem? No, 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 no. no. Of course, we, we live in a flat area, so that's it. But, but I love that kind of thing where I saw that Z, I saw that live wire today, and I went up and I did. Um, I examined the bike and its dyno so carefully. I looked at it as though I was looking at a Penn and Teller stage set. <laughs> Where's the magic? I know. <laughs> because There's I was trapped over. I was sitting here and I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, if each person gets on that bike, throttle rapes it the way they're doing it, right? Okay. Electricity doesn't come out of the air. Right. So there has to be a charging system hooked up to this bike in captivity. And I looked all around and there were no other bikes in captivity. There was just the one so bike. the average amount of time yeah. they were setting it off. Yep. And because I watched three people, do, Me, I watched yep. three people yep. do it because right. weirdly my uh, recorder was getting low on batteries and, okay. was, and the SD card was very full. Sure. So it was taking a few minutes to load up. Yeah. So as people were getting on and off of it, yeah. I was noticing that they were on it for yeah. an average of about five or I six was, minutes. I was going to say, six but they minutes. were only revving it yeah. for about. 20 to 25 seconds of that time. No, I... They, really? This yeah. bike is ridiculous. 30 seconds they went most. through. There was a minute and yeah. a half oh, yeah. of talking about how to... Oh, it was oh, before that throttle was electric oh, that's bike. Yeah. It has a two-stage system to turn it on, like a re regular mm -hmm. Harley-Davidson does. Why not just an on-off switch? I, well, and they were saying bike, it makes a noise, so you know it's bike on. It's like starting up a B-52 bomb. That was what pissed mm -hmm. me off so much was the pattern. Like, so turn, the, put the yeah. key in, yeah. turn it, hit this extra yep. button, and then... Say a Hail Mary. Somebody, say a Hail Mary. After somebody, 10 seconds, yeah. push a button on the screen. Okay, now, real gently, 
Yeah. Start turning the throttle. Yeah, they might as well add the Konami code in there. Like, all right, exactly. now put in the Konami code real quick. All right, now you're ready to ride. I couldn't. Whoever engineered the dialogue, whoever, whatever marketing puke, engineered the dialogue that was the best bullshit patter I've seen in a long time. And I and I live on bullshit. Like I love looking at bullshit when it's being like properly cultivated and distributed out in the world. And I look at that and I see this art. And that fucking was so much art. The experience you got was down to about six minutes per victim, right? Like it was like it was like a ride at Cedar Point where you know you're gonna get a designed experience. Everyone's gonna get the same experience, but you're gonna feel special in the process, even though there's other people's puke on the restraints and harnesses. So that was it, and you're right. They and did it, we're a King's Island. Okay, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so pour a little out for the beast. Get uh, uh, following the path to the beast, by the yeah. way, is how you got to the test rides. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was. You it, it, it was literally this way to the east. Disappears no, it was and you need to look down. It was stickers on the floor. This way to the egress. See the egress. You're gonna love the egress. Yeah. It was so bad. Wow. And, and it's just I couldn't I still looked at that with a whole sense of like that's not a dynamometer. That is a cord. The only cord in the booth went into the quote dynamometer. There was no provision for rapidly charging up, said Harley Davidson, including there was not a class three CCS charger. So there was just a cord going to their little uh, uh, jack stand with uh, rollers on it? Yes. Okay. So they were just, were they running it just off the rollers? Again, I don't know. But my point being, if you see a balloon levitating in the middle of the room, Right? And you look and you see the heat source under the balloon that keeps the balloon levitating in the middle of the room turns out to not in fact be a fire, but a visual image of a fire. You have to assume there's helium holding up the balloon and that the fire you're seeing is not real fire. And I sort of felt the same way right. about, that Z, about that Harley. Yeah. Right, because there's, there's no cord. You right. can't just have like it's not a drill electrons or an extension cord going in there because... Right. It's got to draw, you know, like a hundred watts exactly. to charge it quickly. Yes. And they didn't yeah. run it all day yeah. because it wasn't completely quiet. Like, right. we would have heard some of it on that side of the convention. I was hearing center. it a lot. I mean, it was going to run quite a bit. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, you know, right now, of, only journalists have written it, by the way. Right. Yeah. Allegedly. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the other factor is they that they put on these special goggles. The, oh, the other the other factor is that a set of rollers right. is not a dime. No, fuck no, not at all. Like no, not with right. enough, yeah. you know, you could put a cordless drill on that yeah. rear tire, absolutely, and yeah. create the same effect. The same effect. I yeah. think Harley's running into the same problem that Zero is running right. into, though. And we talked to this at length about it with the Zero guy, and he said it doesn't matter about range, right. it doesn't matter about battery right. size, no. it no. matters well, about charge time. 
Yeah. And well, that was yeah. that was Zero's well, big thing yeah. is Zero's saying we want to get our charge times down. Well that's everybody's big rub. And that's and gonna be hard that's, big rub too. That, that that's something that I'm extremely skeptical or yeah. skeptical. Skeptical about how many beers is that, Swiggy? <laughs> That's a lot of fucking beers. You've got a platoon of dead soldiers in it's front of you. It's more than one hand, <laughs> dude. You are a full wizard at this point. He needs to read right. emails. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he's anyway. got his wizard staff. <laughs> 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 anyway. You shall not pass. <laughs> well, this is the same thing yeah. with. Was zero, which is they were saying like, oh, you know, universal batteries. No, we don't need exchangeable batteries. We just need to get charge time faster. Right. That's a, and that's and right. which is also, you know, it's kind of a weird position because everyone thinks of zero as right. a small right. company. It is a boutique company, but in terms of the electric market, right. they're gigantic. They're gigantic, and. If they say, hey, all of a sudden, Honda can just jump into your market oh, yeah. with the exact, with double A's, oh, yeah. right. then we're fucked. Right. Well, and yes. they're like, oh, uh, rechargeable batteries, you know, universal standards. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't think that's the direction we want to go. I would love to see anybody in this room, right here, right now, mm-hmm. pick up a 14.4 a battery. Oh, I'm sure it's heavy. Pick up the battery oh, yeah. that's in a zero. No, but and then tell me about how swappable it's going to be by pulling up to your gas station and going next to the propane tanks and picking up your 14.4 battery, well, taking yours out of your bike and putting this one in. This is why we talked about in, in our, 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 our recent episode we did right. about um, battery swapping on yeah. scooters. Motorcycles have the ability to, right. s- to break these batteries into smaller modules. Right. You will lose some efficiency in how tightly oh, you can uh, pack but a, a lot. But I also but, think... I think so. But if you could swap them, all of a sudden right. you only need a 50-mile range. Right. Well, and that's so the argument. Lose that efficiency. That's mm-hmm. the argument Zero is making. Do we make a universal battery, right. which probably won't ever happen, no, or do we set a standard for a port? In our game. But yeah. also, do we set a standard for a port like a USB? No. We but, want to be the monopoly. Is what Zero is thinking. This is, but here's what's happening though. And so either better. they're going to pull it off, yeah. or they're going to have their come to Jesus moment. Mm-hmm. But here's the and thing: gonna in the next out. five years, um, I have friends that work. Well, doing stuff with MIT and a few other things. In the next five to seven years, there's going to be a completely different battery technology. Right. And it's coming. And, and I'm wondering sometimes when you guys said about the big man. You're going to get power from coming? Yeah. Exactly. Like it's, it's coming? It's coming. Wait, it's coming. Oh, Hold on. What, what is this? I'm missing it. Every morning. They have different technologies that they're, they're, they're testing and they're working on and yeah. stuff. And a lot of them are way lighter. A lot of them hold way it's more silicon, energy. Isn't it, right? A lot of silicon no. stuff. Okay, here. So do you think that Honda and Science all these other Science and technology, five to ten years means I don't fucking know. Right. That's exactly right. Also, it is, but they have some of this stuff also, now. Also, what do we know about Honda? What has Honda done since the beginning of time? Get things right before they release them. What makes Honda Honda, Swiggy? The... the Honda has. <laughs> they don't do oh, things wow. great, but they do so things. So we're super we're on the Cleveland Moto Show, yeah. and you're almost drunk enough to meet Chocolate Thunder. <laughs> <laughs>
I'd like to say that we brought the Cleveland Moto experience yeah. to Noko Moto yeah. because yes, they have achieved wizard status. They have. Yeah. They've gone but, full. But, they've gone full Hoffert. But they haven't. They haven't. They did okay. not achieve moonshine. They've not achieved moonshine. No, so, so, so what makes Honda Honda is yeah. that Honda has tried. Every, everything. Yes. Everything. Every different yeah. motorcycle engine configuration, oh, yeah. boat engine configuration, space done, shuttle what, configuration. Five like that? Like scissoring? Yeah. Honda's probably made a seven <laughs> cylinder engine that we've well, yeah, never Ross heard of. That doesn't make any sense. And the cylinders are configured in some sort of satanic of symbol shape. Like, we don't know. Look they, at a CTX 700 head Yeah. and sit there and stare at it for a while and then tell me why it's different it's half of a honda fit right i mean it's it's got the exhaust valve and the exhaust manifold it's all built into the head like oh to put a custom exhaust on this no you're not no you're not because everything that needs to be in there is in there yes in the head it's done everything so yeah. i guarantee you yeah. every either with everything yeah. Zero has done, yeah. Honda has already done three things similar. Yeah. Oh, yeah and yeah, Honda yeah. is waiting. I, I say, I say at Honda, right. there's some guy like like the, like the bringer of the Metalocalypse. There's yeah. someone at Honda every six months that goes, "Do we release all our electric shit exactly. now?" And he goes, "No, no, no. we wait. wait. We wait. <laughs> we wait. And yeah. That's exactly and, right. Yeah. Honda, Honda will wear crush." In the next five years, Honda but I, has I a warehouse somewhere when. that is full of everything. Well, aren't they bringing that? Up? Everyone is is expecting to come Arc out of like Area Spaceship technology. <laughs> Dude, well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Am I mistaken in like, that Honda had like a two fifty dirt bike that's electric that they're Honda running? has right? a two hundred yeah. mile. It's not under their name. Electric motorcycle. Oh, it's not. So then they're just like today. No. So crosstalk. Chill. There is a so there is a Skunk Works. That Honda doesn't put its name on. Okay. And so anybody who's into cartooning and stuff like that, you'll all know that. So this Mugen, mm-hmm. so this world of Mugen, is all Mugen is Honda Skunkworks. Yeah, it's his son. Mugen. Right. Was his yeah, son. Exactly. yeah, exactly. Thank you. So this is uh, yeah, a guy who buys things from there versus a guy who lived there. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's like <laughs> everything that happens that has that name on it. Is like, okay, okay, we're give, we're getting weird, but Honda's still safe and predictable. Yeah, right. Right. Honda's still reliable, but we're getting weird over here. Yeah. And that's that whole when we were at the Isle of Man and we got to see the electric bikes. Those are the fast ones, right? Those are the ones. Like you know, when you're looking at this and they're coming up with really adventurous names for their bike, like the seven, and the eight, and the nine. You know, <laughs> because trust me, dude. That's where Honda's at with this. They're just like, roll out the four. I don't think they're ready for the four. Well, roll out the four because we have to get to the five, you know? And <laughs> things are- won't be happy until they get to the 23. Exactly. And it won't get the Honda badge on it until it's there. Mm-hmm. But so there are dirt bikes yeah. that are running electric, but don't have the word Honda on them yet. Oh. And they're out there doing really amazing things, but you're absolutely right when you say that there's, a skunk works. There's a thing that exists for them that right now I hope I, I hope that the powers that be behind Zero, the people who are the giant money bags behind what Zero's been able to accomplish, are able to bunker themselves in enough 
so that they are relevant in the marketplace when somebody with a dick the size of Honda's dick shows up to party. So you know, yeah. the, the, at some the point, there's, there's a guy in the office in yeah. um, in Hamamatsu, in, in yeah, who is yeah. just sitting in right. front of a desk. And the only this, thing on his desk <laughs> is a little red switch. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, he's just going to go, can I release, and he's going to flick uh, it. And can I release sudden, the Kraken today, please? Can yeah. I? Huh? Can I? He's <laughs> like, not yet. Yeah. The, the red light starts flashing. Godzilla the, comes the out red of light bulb has not been illuminated. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fucking rad. So, uh, that's what but, but you're just waiting. <laughs> so, so like, you know, are you aware of like the Gogoro scooters and yeah. their battery swaps, right? Absolutely, yeah. Honda is doing a version of that like super secretly. They don't say Honda. That Honda just shows up to places, installs these battery swap systems, lets the like the community use them, and then gives them shit tons of questionnaires, exactly. and then just moves yeah. on to another location. They, they are right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It would be they're like, doing it in places seriously. where they speak like three language barriers yeah. away from us, yeah. so we don't know. Dave, did you did, did you realize that yesterday we got a self-filling coffee pot? No, I didn't realize that. We have a self-filling <laughs> coffee pot now. It's the weirdest thing. I went there this morning. It was full of coffee. I went there to yeah, the day before. It was full of coffee. It's just always full of coffee. Where'd that come from? I don't know. It just showed up on you. It's delicious coffee. I know. Where'd it come from? There's and a yeah. picture of a wing, guys. Exactly. <laughs> it's called the coffee wing. <laughs> this has gone off the rails enough that we need to close this out. Oh, here, yeah, I, I, I do want to say this. Off the rails, oh, here you go. I do want to say weird, like weird thing about how we roll sometimes, and we all know that, like, we've been trying to provide a better life to ourselves with the use of RVs and buses and all kinds of weird shit. That Cleveland Moto is trying to elevate itself on the food chain to be like adults. So, when we came into this Airbnb, we thought this was a hovel. We, I, when I rented this, it had two pictures. It had a picture of one of the bedrooms and it had a picture of the little rumpus room upstairs. Yeah. We had no idea we were renting like an eight-room house. <laughs> like this weird attached to a church funeral parlor thing with fireplaces everywhere. Not one, but I think three bars Yes. in the house. Tiki bars, too. Right, like, patios yeah. and like a... Rooftop patio. Rooftop yeah. patio, a stove from 19... Whatever that still works. Liza, you missed out. It's a really weird haunt. Like this, this hang is a pretty amazing hang for just like not looking at it. Well, basically taking what we could get. But upstairs, I found among the like various different uh, curios and stuff that was in here and items of uh, objects. There was also art. a billion dollar. There was a billion dollar bill, a million dollar bill. Yeah. Yeah. So in here, checks <laughs> written out to our podcast listeners. This is significant. Because these are photographs taken with probably a brownie camera yeah, or some yeah. kind of early camera, uh, Kodak camera. And these pictures were taken in like, you know, uh, 1968, uh, August of 68, and July of 69. Gaiety. What's that? It's a gaiety. Gaiety. Yeah. And, and, and there's a guy with his 1969 Volkswagen Beetle who's really proud of it because he takes a beautiful side shot of his 69 Beetle um, with the, the uprated wheels and the whole deal. And then he takes somebody takes a picture of him standing next to a '69 Beetle behind a honest to God CB750 KO. Yeah. Not a K1, not a K1 half, a KO. Oh, this really? is a sand cast 
1969. I'm convinced year. this is the CB750 from the movie Knight Riders. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah. it's that CB750. Yeah. I just choose to believe. I choose to believe the it. Universe, the world it world is world. every element of without looking in the tank and seeing crinkles. I can tell you that that picture. Yeah. There's a there was a sandcast at aim too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah gorgeous. Aim, right. Oh, and the VJ. This particular one. It wasn't the, as cool as the P though. It's a weird thing this for that is, photograph this to be. This is a bike XF instant boner. It is. This is a 1969 motorcycle, 50 years later, in a photo we can appreciate in color, yeah. in living color, um, that is this kid or this really tall, lanky dude with this Volkswagen had whoever was with him on his road trip to Niagara Falls, because we have the photographic evidence of his road trip to Niagara Falls. They saw this motorcycle somewhere, this brand new Honda 750, and they took a picture of it. And we have a picture here in all of its like you know beautiful blue you know uh, metallic paint. Super cool that that was in the house we rented. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fortuitous. Fortuitous. Like that's so almost how like are we gonna, how we gonna round is this that, off? Is that an early Corolla? I don't or know. Another Honda yeah. in the background. I, I didn't. I, 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 you're right. I think you're right. There is another Honda in the background. So we've yeah. got a lot more drinking to do. We do. We do. We will sign out. Yes, we do. We should right. sign this off. We should. And uh, remember, guys, from all of us here at the AIM Expo, from your friends at NOCO Moto and Cleveland Moto, we ask you to please ride fast and take chances. Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da